hand into the fire. Run. Run! Hello and welcome to episode 36 of Out of the Frying Pan, a Middle-earth strategy battle game podcast. Some here will remember that many years ago I myself dared to pass the doors of the necromancer in Dol and secretly explored his ways, and found thus that our fears were true. He was none other than Sauron, our enemy of old, at length taking shape and power again. Fantastic stuff. How's it going, mate? You right? Yeah, not bad at all, thank you. A little bit tired. Had a busy week, or a couple of weeks, really, uh, as, as you well know. Yes. Yeah. How about absolutely. yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. I'm a bit tired, too, for different reasons. I had a, had a nice family holiday, but with kids, those family holidays aren't exactly super relaxing all to- all the time, included. Uh, we went to the Peak District, and um, there wasn't much in the way of a phone or internet signal, which is lovely. Um, but, um, yeah, it was it was a lovely holiday, but I almost feel like I need a holiday when I come back from, a, from four days away with the kids. But all good stuff, all good stuff. Anyway, <laughs> why don't you tell the listeners what we've got coming up on this show? Obviously, we've got our usual many meetings where we'll have a bit of a talk about the latest stuff to be... Uh, released uh, we'll talk about a little bit of what we've been up to and then we're going to move on to um our many meetings part two as we're calling it with discussion of CrackCon, which we attended a couple of weeks ago and we have some guests this evening or this episode which is uh, ken and martin from the plastic crack podcast so they'll be joining us a bit later on and then our main section is the review for the fall of the necromancer source book and uh, then finally we'll bring it to a close Fantastic. Well, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back with many meetings. The hour grows late and bland of grey plastic comes seeking my counsel. You are sure of this, Blandalf? Yes, the event is fully painted. It was in the event pack, under my nose the whole time. Yet you did not have the wit to see it. Your love for the Facebook group has slowed your mind. We must join him, Blandalf. The commission painter, we must be fully painted. When did Surly Man the White give in to madness? But I am now Surly Man of many colours. Miniature Realm Studio is a commission painting service. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Or contact us directly at miniaturerealmstudio at gmail.com. You have elected the way of paint. And welcome to many meetings. So, uh, so well, before we get into the kind of what we've been all been up to and things, we thought we'd cover off a little bit of news first. Um, so, everything's out. All of the stuff we've been talking about for over the last show or so is all now released. So if you have been under a rock and you haven't noticed and you haven't gone and bought your your new book and ordered your new plastic witch king and all those things, just you know, head over to your uh, friendly local gaming store or games workshop or wherever it happens to be and, and, and get them now. I don't think many people listening to this will have uh, missed that information. But um, um, And we've got sort of something linked to that, haven't we, Dan? Uh, something that Dan wants to uh, talk about. Well, uh, obviously, the Witch King was released on Saturday, the uh, new GW Plastic multi-part kit. And uh, I managed to pick up an extra one while I was at Warhammer World. So we are going to give that Witch King away. So if you check back with us at the end when we do our normal outro, we will give you the details of that particular competition. 
Fantastic stuff. So you managed to pick an extra one up. So does that mean you you stole it or you? Uh, uh, no, no, I was uh, very very lucky. Um, obviously, I was there on Saturday as I come to as part of the Battle Streams in Middle Earth meetup for 2021. Uh, Ash, who works there, was uh, very good to do some uh, picking for us uh, ahead of time, and <laughs> oh, uh, I requested two Witch Kings, and I got two Witch Kings. Brilliant stuff. So it's all. It wasn't that much risk involved, but I suppose if you all went straight into your gaming and then went to buy them at the end of the day, and uh, um, yes. you missed out on your stuff because you you kind of all decided not to pre-order, didn't you? Because you could pick it up on the day, but. Uh, yeah, the only thing I pre-ordered was some uh, dice, one set of each of the dice for, right, for yeah. Matt, because he was on holiday, uh, Generation Shift fame, but uh, they didn't turn up in time, so I ended up <laughs> buying some on the day to give to him anyway, fair as enough. it goes. Fair enough, fair enough. Cool. Right then, so let's get into the bit where we talk about what we've been up to. Um, I'll go first, because it's it's, it's going to be pretty short as usual. So I think from the last show, we talked a little bit about um, I've been quite busy with family stuff and work and things like that. And that, that, that was the same, really. Um, my own, All my own hobby time really went into us going away for CrackCon, which we'll, we won't get into too much here, because... We've got a whole, you know, a whole section coming up based on that, and it was we had an awesome time, and well, I had an awesome time anyway. Yeah, um, so, definitely, both had an awesome time. So, some did some proper hobbying. Um, I, I managed to tick another box off by playing someone I haven't played before, that kind of stuff. So, um, really, really good time. But as I said, we'll we'll leave that section for for after a little break in a moment. But uh, other than that, I've not painted anything or modelled anything at all, which is a bit a bit of a shame. But as I, said, I did enjoy my family holiday away, and I took some books and things to read with me, but. I didn't take any models and things away. Um, too much mud and hills and, and livestock and and, uh, and drinking wine in the evening for doing any hobbying, but um, it was all good stuff. Um, but I, I did, um, so I picked up my book and I've picked up the, the dice, both sets of dice. I didn't get anything else new as yet. Um, the dog or does see I've seen her, I'm really, really, really tempted to buy it. But um, I think I'm going to go ahead and sort of buy three sets all in one go and turn it into a a table i like to build my middle earth stuff in terms of sort of full sets um and then i can use it at flotsam and jetsam as well and i think i mentioned that on the last last show that was my plan so i'll wait until i need it because it would just sit in boxes and the same with the witch king um it's a plastic model i know it's not going to go out of stock or anything at the moment i just don't don't need it now so at some point hopefully next year when i get around to doing that model army that i've got sitting in a box um i'll pick him up then um and it'll, it'll feel like the right time to do it. But I did um, pick up the, um, the, 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 the the Vanquishers of the Necromancer um, and the, uh, the the Gandalf and the Thrain set as well. So I've picked those up. They've not arrived those yet. Hopefully I've had my shipping notice now, though. So hopefully they'll arrive this week. Um, I think I'm going to make that my um, my next project. I think we talked a little bit. I think it was on the last show. It might just be me and you talking, but I wasn't really sure what my project was going to be for the end of the year. I didn't didn't get very far with the um with the fangorn list and the display board especially when i knew that um, i wasn't going to be going to a throne of skulls at the end of the year i didn't there was no need to rush it so again the that's still my most wanted to do project but i'm going to do it do it slowly next year with with the hope that there's a proper throne of skulls in december um next year um, so I wasn't sure what to do. Aside from finishing Smalgoth, um, I didn't know what to do as my next project because I've got so many half started. Um, and I might do my Iron Hills, um, finish off the the one one unit I've got of those, and um, the new the new dwarf to go with that. But um, I think I'm going to do the Vanquishers of the Necromancer next. Um, I really like those kind of single module projects, painting projects. So I can do one at a time. 
Um, it'll be a nice little palette cleanser each time, especially when I've been working, doing painting units and things for work all day. I'm doing, like working on like 50-odd ultramarines for 40k at the moment. So at the end of the day, picking up a picking up a Gandalf or a um, Galadriel or something like that would be a nice change of pace. So I think that's my plan. I think I'm going to paint those. And it will get me another box on the... Um, on, on two boxes on the bingo as well because it'll get me my I'll get me a good army of over six hundred points. And I've already painted a hobbit, so it'll tick off the the man, the dwarf, and the elf as well. So um, I think I think that pretty much covers it. So that's me really. Nothing nothing too exciting. More hobby plans rather than what I've been up to. But uh, what about you, Dan? You've been doing it a lot more. Well, uh, there's been a bit going on. Um, Obviously, went to the battle streams in Middle Earth meetup on Saturday at Warhammer World, which was uh, obviously ably organised, primarily by Sophie. If we're being honest, um, she did an awful lot of work on that. So, uh, big shout out to her. I'm sure everyone would echo that who attended, and obviously uh, Messrs Steve and Damien themselves, and then the, the remainder of the uh, other attendees who you know contributed towards a really, really excellent, well, I suppose weekend really. And uh, so there was that, obviously, prep for that. That included making two display boards, yeah, which awesome, uh, I did enjoy doing. Really, really awesome. And I, obviously, I've been seeing these as I've been going along. I've had the, the privilege of seeing you working on them and, and knew what you were up to. But uh, um, it's good to see um, see them all finished and you getting to share them with people. Yeah, they came out well. I was, I was pleased with those. I mean, obviously, lots of learnings taken from them, uh, things I wouldn't do again, things I will do again, um, grander plans for the future. But it was really good to get them done, and I was quite pleased with how they came out. So it was nice to sort of be able to lift the lid on those and uh, show those off and uh, get get those posted up on, on the old Instagram as well, you know, show people that I've not been dead. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, obviously, we did bits and pieces, which uh, we'll cover in a bit regarding uh, CrackCon. So yes, that's, uh, been keeping me busy for a while as well. Um, yeah, obviously there was the lots of new releases, so I hemorrhaged money from my wallet on Saturday <laughs> into the till. Um, I picked up, uh, as as I said, two Witch Kings, and I've got some dice and the book and uh, the Vanquishers and uh, Gandalf and Thrain. I've assembled last night, no less, uh, the Vanquishers and Gandalf and Thrain. They were a pain in the butt. <laughs> you see, you um, just warned me off 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 air that um, I might not uh, enjoy building them too much. They were. I mean, they're, they're they're not the worst models I've ever assembled in in hindsight. Um, although at the time it did feel a little bit like it. I've definitely assembled worse. I think um, the 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 uh, years distant between uh, me and the uh, old metal slam has probably uh, maybe forget how bad that was. <laughs> But in the old uh, was it Ogre Kingdom scrap launcher in metal, oh, we loved that. But uh, yes, they were a bit of a swine, so I did those. And obviously, uh, those of you who have been looking at our social media channels and our YouTube channel will have seen that I uh, did a video for the Witch King, which uh, I published last night. So um, I managed to get him uh, built and painted up over Sunday night and in, in, in Monday and get him uh, posted up so people may have seen that if not then more than welcome to check out our youtube channel and uh, see what i've been up to there take a look at the miniatures uh, you know give you some idea of what's in the box and how it looks when it's done and a very good video it is too as much as you're too modest and you don't like um praise for it but i thought, thought you did a really good job of it so um i know you're newer to the 
you know, getting on the camera and doing the video stuff. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I didn't have the model, so I wasn't able to do it. So um, it's I'm, I'm, I was good, really good. I was really impressed by it. And the model as well, not just you, not just your face on camera, obviously. It was, it was very tidy behind you, didn't notice, very good. I, I tell <laughs> you what, though, I bet you cringe when you realise you had to um, video that cutting mat with the two white spray marks when you've obviously... Been um, done my gaming board on it. Yeah, <laughs> much, yeah, 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 upsets me. I mean, even one of the first things I thought me. was I bet Dan started to feel on this thing. Oh no, <laughs> I haven't got a brand new comb, Matt. Oh, dear. There was also numerous comments about the because I, I wore um, the, the gloves. Well, because to, to be to be straight up, and I don't mind admitting this uh, in a podcast format, I'm I start biting my nails again during the stress of the last year or two, and I hate the way it looks, and I don't want it in camera. Fair enough. Fair straight enough. up. So I think people made a couple of jokes about it. Obviously, well, as you it do, does, you does fit with the Dexter image, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it, it definitely. Um, it, it, it doesn't help. Certainly, it somewhat compounds the the impression some may have of me. But uh, yeah, I mean that's primarily it. I'm just incredibly embarrassed of the fact I'm a grown adult who still bites his nails. It's gross. You're not the Don't only person that does that for sure. Again, but sure, there's many do, people out there listening to this that bite their nails as well. well. The truth is, you just can't get the blood out from underneath your fingernails. That? That's... Yeah, that's well, you know. <laughs> oh, dear me. Now, well, yeah, I think you did... can't afford nail brush. It's too much money on miniatures. <laughs> oh, I think you did a great job with the video, anyway, and it's um, and the the model was fantastic, and the paint job you did was fantastic as well. So, good. Thank you. Uh, some good praise actually on that one, and uh, I did uh, have uh, a Borgia. Uh, as in the Borgia um, from oh, cool. uh, Borgia Garcia. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he did post on my on my Twitter saying I've done a great job, and you know what, mm-hmm. well, I fangirled a little bit over that. So you know, I'll take that. <laughs> I'm a I'm a big fan of his painting as well. So that's very cool. He very cool. is a sublime painter, mm-hmm. absolutely ridiculously good painter. Um, so praise from him is praise indeed. Absolutely. I'll take that. Absolutely. So I want to I want to hear a bit more about the the Battle Games in Middle Earth meetup because obviously I was incredibly jealous. I ended up only about forty five minutes away from you guys as well, where I was. Um, just about that. God knows, I might be as the crow flies, but um, I definitely um I couldn't go because I knew where I was having a family um holiday that week. Um, it was half term, end of half term, etc. And so I knew I wouldn't be able to go as soon as the date was picked. And um and then when when the, when my wife booked the holiday and I realised that we were sort of just on the border of the sort of Derbyshire, Staffordshire, um, edge of Peak District kind of countryside in the middle of nowhere. And I realised how close I was getting to Nottingham as well. I was like, oh, for God's sake. Um, so I want to hear some more about it. So you you, you play three games, was it? Yes. Um, well, um, some of the uh, people obviously were coming from further away. I mean, we have um, Joe came up from uh, sort of down in the uh, southwest and yep. then you've got the Scottish lads, uh, Chris Murphy and uh, Hamish came down from uh, up near Stirling and uh, yeah there was a, a good cross section of people sort of obviously Manchester London etc a lot of them turned up on the Friday because it's going to obviously be a lot easier plus yeah, you know yeah. extends the weekend and uh, I couldn't make that unfortunately it was just too rich for my blood at the moment especially with the had crack con as well <laughs> yeah um, so uh, I didn't actually end up turning up until um, the Saturday morning I drove up to Nottingham and uh, I was there in, in plenty of time for the, the rain to be torrential which was fantastic <laughs> frantic run over to the um the side door because i had i helped um uh, steve damien and uh, sophie set up the the goodie bags which they provided which were amazing 
um, gave you know everyone attended one of our stickers. You know, not so cool. you know massive bit contribution. Of, bit of advertising. <laughs> um, but uh, like Matt was incredibly generous. Generation Shift. He gave everyone ten bases, which wow. I think is pretty fantastic. And there was uh, assorted different chocolate bars in there. I got a white lion bar, which is a Steve special. <laughs> and uh, um, Sophie managed to secure some custom three D printed uh, priority tokens with the meetup. Oh, that's on. awesome. That's really I'll awesome. bless you one. Don't worry. I've Did you? you oh, cute. Yeah, I got you one. Oh, wow. Thank you. That's brilliant. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, we had sort of sorted that out. Everyone got handed those when they turned up, which was really nice. Obviously got to start meeting people when they all got in because pretty much, I'd say pretty much everyone there other than Sophie, I hadn't met before. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Albeit very briefly. I think, you know, I'd, I'd met Matt. Yes, for a fraction of a second at um, Throne when yes. I when, when you were there, and Damien very fleetingly, and, and as is well known about Damien, um, you'll always forget who you are anyway, <laughs> especially if you're in a beef eater. <laughs> so it's, it's weird, isn't it? Because you we we've obviously met these people online and spoke to some of them in great deal, especially when we've recorded on the show with them. Obviously, we had Damien on twice, so we spoke to him for a good number of hours online but yes. meeting him in person i've stood next to him in person on the on the stage when we went up for nominations that year with the throne of schools but i don't I don't didn't actually say anything to him at the time but um no it's um oh, I'm, i briefly I'm complimented him on his uh, bag end which is a euphemism in itself i suppose <laughs> isn't it um yeah but it was really nice and it's oh, actually quite funny on the saturday evening we're having a one of those a few few drinks in discussions we're like when you turn up and you just think I like you online, but please don't turn out to be someone I don't like in person. <laughs> but none of, none of that occurred. Everyone was lovely. Um, That's awesome. Oh, it so was really, really stuff. lovely to be uh, everyone. It was really, really nice. Um, had, you know, a great time, great day. Um, three brilliant games. Played Matt uh, with his Easterlings. Um, we sort of matched up quite well. Um, he had uh, Easterling Force led by Amdur. Uh-huh. But he said, we said we said it was Glamdur because Amdur was at the, uh, the Pelennor and I fought him with my dwarves. Um, obviously... Um, <laughs> I took an Erebor Reclaim style dwarf list with um, Old Dane, um, Thorin, not not Thorin, uh, Dwalin, Gloin, and then a bunch of Iron Hills guys because it sort of represents the the champions Erebor who um, remained or indeed returned to Erebor before war kicked off. And so we had a bit of a smash and we played Contest of Champions for the first game and um, unfortunately Amdor, uh, Amdor charged me. Um, it literally came down to uh, a roll off because we drew on the uh, on the dual roll and we had the same fight. And because he's got an Elven Blade, he won the he won the toss on that. Oh. And then he managed to score eight uh, four sixes out of eight dice and cut <laughs> Dane down. Oh dear! Which was which was a, which put him straight on ten points because um, <laughs> it was triple my score um, and killed my leader with his leader. Oh God. So, and, and then my dwarves proceeded to go berserk and butchered most of his army after that. But so I got two points back because I broke him and remained unbroken. But obviously that there's no coming back from, from that 10, but had an amazing game. The result didn't matter in the slightest. And if anything, it was incredibly thematic because the dwarves would have then dragged poor old Dane's uh, body back to the mountain, mourned him, and we've agreed to have a rematch and I'll bring Stonehelm. Oh, brilliant. Like it. Like it so, utterly thematic and i love that so uh that was brilliant and then we had some lunch um damien steve treated us all to an exhibition ticket as well as part of our welcome packs oh, nice. bag. so we had a, a wander around there which was cool uh, and then we had we had some food as well um usual sort of bugman's fair was very nice though it's 
you know, every so often, I don't think I want to eat it every week because I'd be the size of a small van, <laughs> but um, very, very fun. Um, second game was against uh, Steve, um, Mr. Crow. Uh, I played my uh, Baradur list, which is Sauron and uh, 24 Orcs versus his uh, Helm's Deep Defenders list. And basically, he was a massive girl and ran away from Sauron and shot all my orcs. <laughs> his, his shooting rolling was obscene. To be fair, Absolutely you revolting. And then he tells me he had those twice made. So I'm like, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. It was it was immense fun. We spent probably more time just chatting and having a laugh than we really did about gaming. It was very much the secondary thing. It was more about the social, but that was perfectly fine for me. Really enjoyed the game. Um, yeah, so I got drubbed 10-2 on the first game against Matt and then 8-0 on the second game against Steve. <laughs> I think I killed about... I think I killed, like, uh, four uh, men of Rohan because he just killed all my orcs and courted me out. Because we played, um, uh, I want to say, uh, Domination? Yep. Yep. Uh, and then, so basically, he just went and sat on objectives and courted me out. And that was the end of that. Yeah, and then well, we did that's um, the way to some, do it. <laughs> yep, yeah, exactly. We did some voting on sort of um, uh, best army, and then there was some stuff in the cabinets to do, sort of best warband and, and that kind of thing. I think some of that was done at lunch, thinking back on it. But yeah, we, and then we moved into game three, and I played uh, Mr. Damien, Damien of Boom. Fantastic. And I played all his birds, the Saruman and uh, Crabane uh, from Warhammer <laughs> Community article fame. Oh, and I killed all his birds. <laughs> I only beat him 7-6. Um, so, because we played um, a Fog of War. Yeah. And obviously I had to go for Sauron. Uh, yes. Saruman. And uh, he picked on Gloin. Neither one of us managed to kill or wound the, uh, the other. Yeah. Um, so, but basically I, uh, I broke him. And uh, and then there was some other points scored elsewhere. But essentially I killed all his birds. It's the objective, isn't it? You have to pick a... That was it. I've moved into the, the woods. Piece. Yeah, it's my favourite scenario. I love it. Always love. Yeah, it. we both. Yeah, we both got the woods, and I broke him, so I gave me seven six. Awesome. Oh, I love that scenario. It's always always brings a a, a tight game. I think, but yeah. No, that's yeah, awesome. It was awesome fun. Um, and then there was uh, tier medals. I, I was privileged enough that people voted my uh, my army, my dwarves, my uh, for best good army. Which Fantastic. was really nice, really humbling. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, I can't remember all of the uh, the winners, but I know um, Nathan Talbot took Best Evil because he made a really awesome sort of uh, Great Beast of Gorgoth holding pen oh, as his playboard. It was really cool because he took three Great Beasts. He's a dirty boy. Um, although I think he came dead last. Oh. Which, to be fair, actually makes him first because that was how it was agreed, because Ed Ball, uh, who is incredibly good at the game, yes. came highest on the leaderboard, so he got the wooden spoon, because we're mm. not encouraging that kind of thing. <laughs> um, and then there were... Um, Julian Hammond got uh, most sporting. Oh, brilliant. I know that much. I think he got a second award, but I can't remember for the life of it. I want to say it was for his Durnhelm. He got best painted single miniature. Uh-huh. And it really is very pretty. And then... Uh, Dan Nelson, I think, took Gua here for Monster... And um, Rich or Thor, uh, Dwar- Dwarling Grudgebane. Yep, yep. Um, he took Best Warband for his um, nom- uh, Light Source Trolls. Lovely. He I haven't been, seen a picture. Are these, a picture of these gone up anywhere? I don't think so yet, but I think they will. Right. So I, I don't know, know if I missed it when I, was a, when I was away with my uh, zero 
zero in no i don't zero. believe they've been poked in, in that respect but oh, um, i'm sure damien and steve will at some point but we'll give them the first sort of stab at that mm. yeah, yeah i just love to see the pictures um, of the models and things if and some of the, some of the stuff yeah sophie took a lot of pictures that day she was um she sort of ran the thing and, and took all the scores and it was really lovely that we had so much of the middle earth team down um jay claire popped down all day just to chat and um oh, brilliant uh, to, basically answer a few rules queries bless him i don't think he had much choice on that one to be honest with you um rob alderman played um as i mentioned um before we've uh who else did we have uh sam jeffrey yep uh you guys we he was there and um and we obviously ed played so you know and then we um dan it was playing as well he had his <laughs> um, yeah oh, yeah he had his um Merkled Ranger Army, which was really cool. And he painted it in like seven hours or something because he's a git. <laughs> um, oh. It's funny, actually, because I ended up coming face-to-face with those um, elves I painted and we did the giveaway for Calm oh, yes. um, because, <laughs> uh, yeah, Michael Haskell took took the uh, the Galadrim with him, which was quite cool. Oh, it's the first time I'd seen them since, obviously, they disappeared into a box and left, so it was, it was quite trippy. Oh, man. Well, you, yeah. It sounds like Good an fun. absolutely awesome day. I'm even yeah. more jealous now. Um, oh, yeah. Like really... We retired to the... And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this will be, be jealous as well because you got to meet and play a lot of um, Middle-earth royalty <laughs> from, yeah, the, the, from the UK of, scene anyway. Hobby. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, but anyone anyone would be welcome to just pop down and, and say hello. Um, it, it's been re- it was really good for that. And, I, um, I did test the water um, with the uh, what if I borrowed the car for a couple of hours, but that wasn't gonna wouldn't have gone wouldn't have gotten over very well. But I did uh, kind I of did, did kind of hint, but um, yeah, it would have would have caused would have caused um, marital strife. I think if I left the uh, wife stranded in a in a barn, well, it's not a barn, but it was a converted barn and a farm um, in the middle of nowhere, especially with that weather. It was torrential that day, wasn't it, as well? <laughs> so yeah, it was Oh, it's horrible, horrible. Yeah, we were driving home the Sunday morning in it, so... Um, yeah, that was that was bad. I don't think I've ever been more nervous in uh, driving <laughs> than that. <laughs> no, not, not nice at all. But anyway, I'm glad you had such an awesome time. Um, is that it all was of, absolutely epic. Is that all of your stuff? Have I missed anything? I didn't, didn't know if I've interrupted no, you when you were No, mid-flow. no, no. Um, it just generally picks up loads of cool stuff. Um, obviously, I did the video that's gone up. Um, there'll be another video this week uh, where we'll do a review of the book as well. Yep. Obviously, we'll talk about it on here, uh, but there'll be a sort of a micro review in a similar vein to... Uh, yes, yeah, so that may well go up before the, the, the show because we're recording it in two parts because we've got guests and things. And um, so we'll see. We'll see what they go. We're talking in real time, but we don't know when people are listening to this. So they may be listening to this, haven't already seen the video review of the book anyway. Entirely but. possible. And I think on that note, we should uh, make preparation for the invasion of the CrackCon boys. Absolutely. They're waiting in the wings now. So we'll take a very, very, very short break. And when we come back, um, we'll have Martin and Ken on from the Plastic Craft Podcast. And we're back for part two of Many Meetings. And with us are two of the four members of the Plastic Crack podcast team, Ken and Martin. Um, but rather than me tell you sort of who they are, we we'll, thought we'd let you uh, let the guys themselves tell you a little bit about themselves. So let's start with yourself, Martin. Do you want to give the listeners a bit of a rundown of your hobby past and um, what you're doing at the moment with the YouTube channel and things? 
Sure. My name's uh, my name's Martin, but on YouTube I am known as Seventh Son, and that's for no reason in particular other than I like Iron Maiden. Um, but basically, uh, my hobby background started with 40k when I was about 10, 11 years old, and then playing various Games Workshop games through the 90s, and then having a bit of a break while um, I went to university. And then getting back into the hobby with Games Workshop games, but then discovering historical wargaming, things like Bolt Action, Flames of War, and then really starting to expand into all sorts of um, skirmish games, um, fantasy, sci-fi. But mainly now I, I work on uh, historical miniatures. Um, I work on uh, Black Powder, 28mm uh, Black Powder for um, Napoleonics. I also have a rather large collection of Wars of the Roses. Uh, miniatures which I've been working on now for nearly three years um, and really I just wanted the channel to sort of reflect what I do and I really am into my history and, and background for all the different things that I do so I like to make videos about painting and um, sort of character histories but also battle reports and um, sort of tutorial videos as well and I was lucky enough to get invited on to the Plastic Crack podcast by Ken who I'm sure is going <laughs> to mention it in a minute um, and then I was asked kindly to stay or I hung around for too long I'm not quite sure which one it was um, and uh, and it's just kind of gone from there. Fantastic. And what about yourself, Ken? Oh, yeah. Um, so, hi, I'm Ken um, from Miniature War Gaming Morris. And, uh, yeah, I'm one of the uh, founding members of the Plastic Crap podcast. We did get our tag along, Martin. <laughs> now, nah, there's four of us. There's four of us. There's myself. Uh, there's Boots on the Table, Dom. There's uh, Steve from One Point HQ. And obviously, you've got Martin Seventh Son. Um, so, we're all founding members. And, uh, yeah, we do this podcast on a Monday night for... Uh, all gamers and um, we try to include everyone so we mainly focus on historical wargaming um but we do tend to dip in and out of uh some games workshop games like myself and steve were really big fans of epic um especially like for the heresy period really love that and that's where i that's where i originally started gaming um and middle earth as well i'm quite a quite a massive fan now of middle earth where i uh, went out and bought all the uh battle streams of middle earth magazines so uh, uh <laughs> yes i was uh rather excited about that it's true she knows about that i might have messaged him a few times uh about about doing that but um yeah no really excited uh to get back into the hobby i've been doing it for now probably about three years and uh yeah started youtube about a year into the hobby after i did some basic painting started with 40k moved on to historicals and uh yeah the channel's mainly based on polionics and i do a bit of uh, painting tutorials i i bolt as well so some world war ii based stuff and i really do want to start doing some more epic and middle earth uh, side of things as well so quite a variety i do on my channel you've been doing um a few videos on the Battle Games of Middle Earth magazines, haven't you? Where you've just yes. been sort of flicking yes. through the magazine yes. and uh, painting the miniatures that came with it as sort of short videos. Yeah, it? just a, just just like a little flick through. I'm planning to do all ninety magazines. Um, it's definitely <laughs> something I want to do. I'm on magazine ten at the moment. I've actually painted all ten, so I'm up to there. I just haven't released the videos on it yet, but I've done ten so far. Um, but the problem is this Scarron the Shire book that I was looking at that when I which I heard about on the you on the on the podcast out of the frying pan and um yeah i've started to think maybe i need to paint farmer maggot now to do the first uh, scenario but he's he's right at the end 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can so, you could you could okay. paint him and still uh, still yeah you know, yeah yeah the quest for the ring bearer isn't it that the that, that oh, scenario yeah. is him yeah yeah oh yes quest for the ring bearer not scaring I always get that mixed up but yeah quest for the ring bearer that's a good um, book yeah good book. what a book that is but yeah <laughs> well it's it's a fun little scenario so I I don't think anyone would begrudge you let's face it. Are you going to get through all 90 again? Is your previous Probably. history suggest that you might not get that far? Mm, it, I, I love it how his reputation precedes him. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I do have quite a reputation for selling models, but no, I'm going to keep these magazines because they were an absolute pain to uh, to get hold of, so I'm not planning <laughs> on giving them up anytime soon. <laughs> Fantastic. So let's, let's, let's talk a little bit more about the Plastic Act podcast. So it's on Monday nights and it's a YouTube podcast for anyone who's or I guess that's not like this thing where we just stick it out on audio in old-fashioned ways um so you, you you have a lot of guests on things on don't you you sort of have a, not always a different guest each week but um you get some some people from the the community out there you've you've had the perrys on before yeah. haven't you you've yeah, got quite, some quite big names now yeah yeah we've, yeah we've had, what was it mine we've had them on twice we've now, had the perrys on we've had the perrys on twice um this week we had mel the train tutor on next week we've got uh simon miller the uh, one of the rules writers for well the rules writer sorry for to the strongest but we've kind of taken a very varied guests it's been uh, miniature manufacturers sculptors rules writers we even had an author just a historical author um on yeah. as well um yeah, and it's Harry's a very on, it? yeah, yeah yeah it's a very laid back affair where we but we also we like to talk to these people and actually find out about them as well and what they're in you know what spark their interest in in wargaming because as ken said a lot of it is historical based but all of us have got um you know some kind of science fiction or fantasy or middle earth like i'm i'm sitting here next to a half-painted witch king at the minute <laughs> um and um you know we're all we all have so many projects and therefore when we invite guests on we just try to invite people who interesting so i'm and one of the people who we want to get on is um it's the people who make the flags i just want to know what goes i know that sounds almost incredibly boring but everyone <laughs> uses them yeah, i yeah. want to know sort of what goes into that so yeah what goes yeah. into flag design no it'd be really cool for that and um it, it we don't have it like you say we don't have a guest on every week we probably average i don't know one a month maybe two a month um sometimes yeah, they could be two in a row or sometimes we could go six or seven weeks without having a guest on um mm. but we uh, it's quite nice doing a video on the podcast so we do both so we we call it a podcast don't we um but yeah it's still, yeah. It still is a podcast i think yeah um, it doesn't yeah. have to yeah. be just yeah. well yeah it would Every work week. just to listen to it. There's a there's a couple of bits that are visual, like when you do your news and yes. things. But yeah. but most of it, if you put it as an audio format, it is it is conversation. It's something to have on while you're painting yeah. and things. So yeah, it's it certainly developed, didn't it, Ken? Over the last sort of year, because sort of when I sort of came on as a guest we were obviously just sitting around chatting and then then steve joined and there were four of us and then we every week we talk about what we've been up to and you know then we've also we scour a little bit for wargaming news and it's actually developing into this there's actual like you know segments and somebody (laughs) has been doing intros so uh to each of these segments (laughs) and with with some time i've got to say his latest choice of music was really good but the the music for our news section definitely needs yeah yeah, i need to do Um, one for those (laughs) but um yeah we we try to cover all sorts and what what we decided to do was have a different host every week and that's one of the four Four of us will host it every week and that's someone who effectively can moderate the comments and re, you know keep up with the chat and um, they will also pick a theme so every week 
um, whoever's week it is will decide a theme and so that might just be for example like a painting workshop where we just chat about different methods for painting or uh, Ken for example example uh, pick sort of Napoleonic gaming I picked one just one day which was just let, let's talk about films and things that inspire us in our in our gaming so we try to keep things varied inevitably we end up not yeah. being able to come up with one and then on the <laughs> night before we're like oh dear <laughs> oh yeah guys yeah. guys help the, the the other the other really nice thing is as well with this our podcast is we get to interact with our uh, viewers um which is really really nice and we encourage it as well um getting like people doing suggestions in in the comments and being able to pick up on people's comments and interact with the people that actually watch us like we did we, we met like the people when we did crack on didn't we so yeah. it's um yeah that's a, that's a whole new thing as well that was it's, uh, that kind of started the um the facebook group um so at christmas time we started the facebook group and um and it's it, it kind of grew quite quickly um but all of these people in the facebook group it's a very um uh sort of respectful and um friendly. Just happy happy community thank you friendly i couldn't think of all. <laughs> yeah, friend, friendly there's there's no, uh, neg- yeah. there's no negativity towards people's models and people put models up there of all standards so Stu, you've got your your sort of standard which is like ultimately amazing and then you've got people that are just starting out but no one will critique someone that's just starting out to say oh you you know you're rubbish at painting they'll they'll help them yeah, it's yeah. Say, well, incredibly positive for, group for doing it. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. There's, there's few like that. I think the only time you find groups that are that generally that positive is when it's a a small community that's very closely linked Definitely. to to a podcast or something like that, where generally people that listen or watch it. And Mel was saying this wasn't in your in last night. That yeah. Generally, the community community kind of forms itself in your in, in the culture that you set out and, and the behaviors that you you show in the podcast and things like that as well yeah, so it's a very it. very well, safe place for hobby no flame yeah, yeah, and, and idea and just ideas and suggestions you know we've got people in there who um who are uh, miniature sculptors and there's a couple who have posted ideas saying what if i sculpted this mm-hmm. um which is quite nice um but also <laughs> just as a as ken said you know you've got everyone that's posting up pictures and as a as a one-off once because we couldn't really think of anything we we posted up a few photos at the end of the show of what people had painted and this is now caught on so at the end of every single show we spend probably 10 minutes just posting what other people have been working on in the week so it really is a big community so everyone can see you know because not everyone is on facebook and but then it sh- you know shows you know it encourages people to come and join the plastic crack podcast to come and join the facebook group and to you know really join Interact, in doesn't it yeah. yeah, and it's it's fan, it's fantastic um, to see, and it really is inspiring. Although it is somewhat dangerous because you see that someone's <laughs> painted, for example, some really nice Eighth Army stuff, and then you start looking at things on there and thinking, uh. <laughs> "Yes, it definitely is, it definitely yeah. is." Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's really cool because as well, we're not just historical, like like we've said. Um, people come on there and they just paint Middle Earth stuff, um, you know, and people give feedback and say, "Yeah, that is some awesome stuff." Might not be their cup of tea, but you know, everybody's yeah. welcome. Um, yeah. It's like Martin, me, me and Martin probably are quite kicked into Middle Earth, aren't we? We we like Middle yeah. Earth. Um, Dom's yeah. not so much. He's very much a historical gamer, um, but he he might have dabbled a little bit. He, he's read it, hasn't he? He's he's one of those him. people that that's read the books maybe and then doesn't dislike oh, yeah. films, but just not form their gaming and things. But like you no. like you described the group, there's 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 been 40k in there. There's been a Warhound Titan in the last week. There's been AOS. It's uh, it's it's yeah. literally anything just because the, I suppose yeah, you've got channels vegetables. Are... You've got Steve with <laughs> oh, yes. oh, vegetables yes. growing out the back of Napoleonic. It's just like it's everything's in there it's just it is 
a bag of everything. No, it's it's a really really nice place. It's a nice sort of alternative to some of the other things that are out there. And what I'll do is I'll um I'll put all four of your channels in in the show notes. And if people want to find the the, the podcast, it's uh, they'll 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 be able to find it by searching Plastic Crap Podcast on YouTube anyway. But it's not a there's not a, a channel podcast, Plastic Crap Podcast. No, you, you it it, when you take it in it turns to host, you host it on yeah. each of your we own channels. A, don't we you? do have a playlist. Um, yeah. I can send you the link for the playlist. So yeah, so people. Yeah, 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 we'll pop that in. Pop that in as well. Definitely, definitely. So let's talk about CrackCon then. So what's what's CrackCon? CrackCon was the result of too many jokes <laughs> in the <laughs> podcast. Um, basically. Um, what happened was as we uh, last year when um, this whole thing sort of started and you know everyone was this podcast we were all we were sort of myself and Steve were invited on and eventually we were like oh the four of us really must meet up and have a game and we said this quite a lot each week and then slowly people in the comments started saying can we come oh yeah, yeah. we'd love we'd like to come oh maybe we should have a game and then just before um Christmas someone um sort of suggested said oh you should do a gaming day. And we kind of joked about it. And then um, the name CrackCon kind of come about. And, um, you know, it was, oh, you'll never, you'll never be able to call it, call it that. <laughs> call it that. Um, and um, and then we joked. And then it got to, I can't, I think it was about May. And yeah. we actually looked at, all looked at each other and thought, we might actually be able to do this. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, and, and um, I remember a phone call with, with Ken. I was like, I think, I think we're going to, I think we can do it. Yeah, and uh, and then uh, and then if you if you have to see it and uh, Ken doesn't need need any encouraging, you know we were away and we we sort of went for um, a smaller did did some look for some venues um, and we decided instead of renting a hall or something like that and you know having to sort out any shows we'd be just safer going to a a shop and taking a large space so. I'd already spoken um, with uh, it, in my own channel with Boards and Swords. They've sponsored a few of my videos, and I, I've done some stuff with them. And I know they've got a big gaming space, and they're a hobby store based in Derby. So I approached them because I know they hold uh, 40k tournaments and things like that. And I said, um, you know, how would you how would you like to uh, to host this day? And I to begin with, I, I don't I don't think they quite knew what they were getting into. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, no, no, they didn't. Um, did they? And we we put it out there, and we decided um, how many was it, Ken? It was it was thirty people, including including us. Yes. We decided that that would be a a good number, for, especially because we'd never done anything like this before. We were all obviously, you know, we've all we come from various backgrounds, but we'd never put on a gaming day, um, so we thought we'd start small. Well, the tickets sold in well quickly, very very yeah. quickly, yeah, very. Quickly. Um, and um, and then we realised, oh God, it's actually. It's actually going to happen, <laughs> yeah. um, and then I had a and Dom, who is the master of uh, ticketing and um, it, amazing, just uh, uh, sorting all of that out. I spoke to the venue, and then we let Ken loose talking to manufacturers and um, <laughs> it was like you know manufacturers and any company that sells sells any kind of miniatures. And we actually ended up you know you know having things donated to us, and it went from let's have so this whole thing started as let's have a game to let's have a couple of games, to let's put on a whole gaming day, let's do a raffle, let's have a painting competition, let's give everybody a goodie bag, let's get our own dice designed, um, let's have t-shirts. Um, <laughs> and, and it just went from there. And then the venue kind of went, 
there's a lot of you coming. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so it happened, but it, it, it was great. And then we decided that the best way to um, get as many games as possible was to open it up and say, whoever wants to basically come and host a game, come and host a game, show people the gaming system that you, you love, whatever it is. If you want to put on 40K or uh, Sharp Practice or Napoleonics, then bring it along and host a game, bring the armies and just host a game. And that's what we did. Yeah. No, it was really no, it was really cool, wasn't it? And we also um we we gave the uh, poor people at Derby uh, uh, travel lodge a bit of a heart attack when just see all us gamers down there, didn't we? Because a lot of people stayed over, so the day before and uh, the night after as well, which was so we kind of make a whole weekend of it as well. It, it was, it was, it was, re- and it was really nice to interact with all these people, as Ken said previously, that have been commenting on us. And yeah, the problem absolutely. was was that everybody turned up and um they knew we the, were. they knew who, yeah but we didn't know who they were and of course they have all their um their names but that's not their youtube name no <laughs> so, so that was just really so um so the decision was taken by ken and um and my wife uh to give everyone name tags but on their name tags they had to put their youtube username YouTube down because we didn't know because just writing uh for example tim meant nothing no. <laughs> to us oh it worked very worked really really well as well so you mentioned the raffle there i just want to say i think i've said to you guys anyway but that's the biggest prize raffle for for, for yes. such a small you know for a, for for 30 <laughs> people as well i've never yeah. seen so many well prizes given I've got to, we've got I've, I've got to um <laughs> basically put give a big sort of like shout out to ken there because ken went above and beyond um basically hassling um lots of of people um and then even even so we turned up and we had everything from war games atlantic um we had some perry miniatures rubicon and all sorts of things um and then when we got to the store so boards and swords who are well worth checking out they gave us nearly um 250 quid's worth of stock incredible uh, (laughs) it was you know and so we had things like flames of war starter sets um a cold war starter set that ended up in it with someone and um, um and then of course the, the, of course the the big pride one of the nicest things the big prize which was the huge epic um black powder american civil war box set plus two more brigades plus the paint and set painting. was yeah everything you need three thousand uh, figures was won by someone who just come along he bought a ticket and he just come along and he found a podcast and he wanted to see what was going on and he hadn't actually gamed in yet like absolutely years and he won for a one pound raffle ticket he <laughs> yeah. won uh, was, and yeah was awesome. it was that was really it was, good. That was, it was brilliant and definitely and all of the uh proceeds from the raffle and the t-shirt sales and effectively any of the sort of the money that was made all we decided to donate to charity um to uh, the charity mind that deals with mental health because it's something that's come up in the stream before um but especially you know um g- given what was happening in covid um ken did a, an excellent episode on you know how to keep yourself motivated and you know if you're feeling down that and um so we decided to um donate it all of the proceeds to mind in the end we yeah. raised um over 300 quid yeah 
yeah, really good. amazing really calls as well. Really, really. Uh, it's um, it's you see it a lot with um, when I've run events for for heresy events and things, and, and Dan's the same. We've done a lot of things for mental health um, charities, and it seems to be a good connection with gamers. And it seems to be something that that a lot of gamers have got an affinity with, and I think that's really really cool because it's not something that's always kind of the, the the things that are often picked for charities. Is it? It's quite often sort of your, mm. your cancers and things like that, which are obviously bigger and important, but it just seems to be a good link there with with war definitely. gamers and picking sort of mental health charities which i think is really really good yeah definitely absolutely no 100 so let's let's talk about so dan and i haven't spoke about you know the, what our experiences of the, of the day yet um so you get to listen to that now live um we've left that out at the beginning part of the show um so um well I, I, straight off it was absolutely fantastic it was lovely to actually get away and play some games for the first time for me anyway since um since the beginning of the pandemic and i think the same for dan as well at least sort of in, in person with people dan and i've been playing online um but we we the, the listeners already know what scenario we run because we spoke about it in the previous episode and it wasn't what we originally planned but so we 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 ran the Ammon Hen scenario. Dan brought his brand new Ammon Hen sort of set up, his board that he's built recently and all of his Uruks. I brought my fellowship along and I brought loads of other models along for people to have a little look at and um, and just hung out all day chatting to people and um, we played, played a few games and you two both played the, the scenario as well. I mean, Dan, what are your thoughts of the, the day? Oh, it was, it, was, it was great fun. Um, it was good to turn up and be amongst nerds and uh, look at all the different games that I really not have any exposure to whatsoever. Um, there is a local historic scene, I think, in Peterborough, but the um, the gaming club that meets seems a little bit uh, hostile and insular, <laughs> so I've never bothered going along. They're, they've occasionally forayed onto our, our sort of the gaming group that I attend and generally been quite hostile, so we've, we've not bothered to go, um, which is a bit sad, really. Um, so it was really nice to go along and see, you know, welcoming, cheerful, friendly, enthusiastic people showing off what they love. And, you know, I really, really enjoyed that. It was great to see all of the, the miniatures and, um, you know, people's sort of obvious enthusiasm for it. And everyone was willing to say, you know, have a chat and say, this is what I do and this is what this does. And please have a look. So that was that was great. And um, yeah, it was nice to run a game. Um, Hurricane Haley rolled through and destroyed uh, my trees. <laughs> yes, yes. I was going to, I was going to, I was going to ask. She, uh, she has apologized profusely and oh, asked me to, asked me to apologize again, again for, uh, for that. But if it's any consolation, it's, it's all scenery. It's my scenery as well. Um, it gets trashed every single time. Uh, no, it, it's all, it's all fun and games. I think actually between Stu and Ken, they destroy more than she yeah. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we, we might, did, we we might have ended afterwards. up uh, absolutely destroying it right at the end of the day, didn't we? <laughs> and one, one thing I meant to actually ask is that I, I wanted to actually get a figure count for every single table and find out how many miniatures were on the boards because we had 40, and because me and Ken obviously ran a, a game in the middle and we had 1,400 miniatures on our board. <laughs> yeah. So I, I would like to. Yeah, slightly, slightly different style of game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, I'll tell you what, though, the terrain was absolutely beautiful on your board. I, I love the yeah. Ammon Hen stuff. It was really, really, really nice. And uh, yeah, it, it was absolutely gorgeous. I think it was the perfect scenario that you picked because it's so iconic um, yeah. from visually from the film as well um and obviously given what happens in the film to boromir and also in my game <laughs> what happened to boromir although Bor boromir didn't last quite as long as he did in the film i think he lasted what was it one he'd even get to the end of turn one did he 
Yeah. I think it was very similar for ours as well, Stu and I's. Yes, yeah, it was, it was. I think, um, I suppose it's different for the historical community as well, because they're used to seeing Sean Bean survive, whereas every other franchise yes. that he's in, he dies. Um, Very true. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, Dan did a, 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 Dan did a great job with the, with the terrain, and, um, yeah, we did break a few of his, his trees. Um, I think it was a happy accident in the end that we did that scenario. It was much better than what we were, were going to do. It was all based around um, what we wanted to paint before, what I wanted to paint, let's be honest. Um, um, and I didn't have time to do that, and it, that was a much better scenario to do. Like you said, mine is much more sort of iconic, and people would be able to kind of understand it if they've seen the films, whereas that wouldn't have been quite so so easy probably for what we were going to do before, so it worked really well. Um, Dan and I are going to do... Um, a full review of the uh, the scenario, like we like we do for most of them in, on the show, um, but we won't be covering that in this show just because of the the new releases and things. Um, but at some point, we will come back and um, try and remember our game. I think I can still remember it and um, do I'll that. Take some notes, all right? Good, good. Because if it's <laughs> if it's after Christmas, I definitely won't remember. Um, how about, talk about your your games? So, Martin, how did you how did you find the scenario? Um, um, well, I decided so. I thought, oh, I'll, I'll go and I'll be super aggressive with Boromir. I thought, you know, trying to protect... I thought my idea originally was to try and tie up the, the Uruks with um, the fighting characters and then let the hobbits um, get to the river, which I thought was, um, you know, quite a good plan. Um, I just forgot that generally I can't roll higher than a four <laughs> on anything. Um, so my, I think I knew what way it was going to go when Boromir first turned, charged, got surrounded by Uruk's Blue Horn of Gondor, nothing happened, and then he got kicked to death by about seven of them. Um, you did so, charge uh, a lot, though. You charged the, it's the, the whole of the one war band, didn't you? Yeah. 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 It's cool. Yeah. It's cool. I, but... I did. I did. It, it, it was really fun because I've the games I've played... Um, recently have all been based around the Pelennor Fields box so there's yeah. only two heroes in that um and one of them doesn't really have lots of abilities he just kind of charges into things and people follow him um whereas so having because I was playing as the fellowship having all those different abilities and the different um heroic actions I could take that was quite fun on the other side of it I know that Haley had a great time because Haley loves doesn't like getting bogged down in detail and just loves having minions to yes. control um and and just played to her strengths of of I'm going to charge and the fact that she's now looking at starting at Uruk High Army and is is <laughs> your fault basically <laughs> well, that's that's a, a real positive from it. I mean I think if we if we analyze the scenario in terms of a visual point of view and recognition is perfect for a brand new player running the the, the fellowship isn't easy they're much more of a finesse kind of army and um look you know you've played the game before so it wasn't so quite so kind of daunting um but I think if if you know, experience of running it as a as a demo game or a participation game. If it's someone that's brand new and they're they've got the fellowship, it's you you really want to kind of give them lots of help and hints and tips because there's a lot of profiles and a lot of you know special rules and things they might not be used to, and you need to use your heroics right, otherwise you're going to fall apart. Whereas the heroics are perfect for a new person because they can just you know you literally point them at something and and kill. Um, <laughs> what about yourself, Ken? So we played, didn't we, Ken? So you, um, yes, yeah. What I, can you remember I, I, of I our was, game? I, I was the newbie. Um, I played. Uh, I played. Um, I, I think 
one or two games of middle earth but i played on the very old rule set uh-huh. so the original um i did like the first one out of the books back then but that was the first game of the uh, latest rules that i played and like you say playing the oryx was really easy and i picked it up really quick yeah um and yeah i i, I did the opposite to what martin did <laughs> basically <laughs> i was the one charging uh the what, you, you you mean you won yes i won you did yeah. win yes yeah, that's, that's, that's <laughs> definitely I did, what i did I, I, I did win but but yeah i played um played the Uruk, so i just tried tying down um boromir well i didn't really try boromir very much i just tied him down a little bit with a few guys but i mainly tried out some of the shooting i know shooting's not like the best thing to be able to kill people but I, I did roll very well if i remember right yeah but, you picked but, a couple of wounds off i think but yeah uh, yeah, yeah but i was just going after frodo because that, that's uh, what you want to yeah. do that's the only way that the the good player can win um so yeah. if you can slow him down um yeah. you know he, he eventually you'll you'll plink the wounds off him and kill him and that's the way to do it and you can yeah I mean, Dan and I will cover this more probably when we when we do cover the scenario. I think it's one of those scenarios that's really good to play fresh, I think, um, once yeah. you've played it a few times um, and you know how to win. I think the game could maybe stall a little bit. I don't know what you think about that, Dan. We uh, we were unsure when we started playing it, weren't we? Because we, 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 we didn't read one of the rules properly for the first turn or two, and then we realised that yeah. the hobbits uh, um, don't immediately get killed. And we missed that for some reason. We've been very stupid, but um, it needs to be carried off. Um, but we, it depends how you deploy, doesn't it? If you're very smart and you're the, with the way you deploy as the Uryx, you can make it very, very difficult for the for the good player. Um, even though I did, you know, from from thinking I was going to lose against you, down it was, it was very tight at the end and it was very good. But I think if we kept playing it again and again, we'd have kind of accidentally meted it by then, by that point. So it's quite good going, being innocent. Yeah, absolutely agreed. Um, still not sure about how far uh, Legolas and Gimli start away, but otherwise, <laughs> I think yeah. we, Legolas is fine. Gimli, yeah, it's just I don't think he got into he the action on away, any he? of the games. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I get why he's there because I think that would almost imbalance it a little bit because he's too much a good fighter, and because of the narrative point of view, that's where he was. He was with with Legolas, but maybe if he just started an extra six inches further up the board, would just mean he could get in a little bit. It just really depends as well because I think if you get someone brand new and the way they deploy, if they deploy quite a bit more spread out for the warbands of the Uruk, um, then it's different. Or they decide to deploy on the other side of the the scene seat or something like this there's, there's lots of different things but as soon as you've worked it out what you need to do then then you're uh and if you've played a few war games before you you kind of you kind of know how to nail it but it's good fun it's good fun i loved it because for an intro game it made me feel like i was in the films yeah, yeah um, and that's what you was, want which was which was awesome instead of having like a fixed point game um like you like you would in your standard 40k stuff so a 500 point game it was really nice to have a scenario driven game yeah um rather than like a fixed battle well, which has got its place definitely yeah well i think that it plays to what me and you like ken don't we we like scenarios Love even scenarios, in a, yeah. even in a high historical gaming and someone talk about it, is we we don't use points we just come up with scenarios with stories and objectives to complete and then just put whatever forces we want now obviously the in the middle earth game it's based on you know scenes from the books and scenes from the films but it's nice to you know to just be able to pick up something that actually has a narrative to it, yes. um, and feel like you're actually, you're actually affecting that narrative. Yeah, the, the the system works very very well for both types actually. It's uh, for narratives, it's probably one of the strongest 
non sort of historical because you've got an inbuilt na- narrative with historical gaming anyway but it's it's almost got its own fake history hasn't it from the, the history mm, of the yeah. book or the, or the or the films so it works perfectly for that and you can play the game almost entirely narratively if you wanted to rather than collecting match play armies you can just go and collect the models you need for each of the scenarios your favorite scenarios and so on it does work very well as a match play game um and there is a level of kind of narrative theme within some of the match play armies especially if you use the legendary legions they're kind of very thematic for a certain battle or time period and something like that so it does work well for both but totally agree in terms of an intro game if it's someone that's uh kind of just wow i want to be blown away by something cool that I've seen on a film, then the narrative way is a really, really nice way of introducing the game to people. Uh, I, I definitely need to uh, to play a bit more because in the games we've played played at home, I, I obviously watched the film and I was like, oh yes, the Witch King, he's going to fly in. <laughs> and he's just going, and he flew in and just got killed. <laughs> that was it. He got he flew in against Ferdin and just got battered. Yeah, he's a um, bit more subtle. So I need to, yeah. <laughs> it depends who you're going against, but yeah, he's not. He's a bit more finesse than you may kind of experience from from the films i suppose um no but it's all all really good and we had lots of fun lots of fun doing it so thanks for letting us come along so let's let's finish up now so what about crack con 2 are you planning on doing another one yeah can we tell them can we tell yeah yeah we are we are we are um we're trying to finalize a date so it's probably going to be after after easter at mm-hmm. some point yeah. um we're very much thinking of having it in the same place but um instead of limiting it to 30, 30. people we're going to look at having the entire venue yeah. which would make it between 50 and 60 people yeah higher the whole thing um and we would be looking at um because it was on two levels that there would be sort of the, the large game which was the ken and the one the ken and i the one that ken and i I ran um would potentially be a big table upstairs uh-huh. and then the downstairs would basically be like you guys were running like open gaming if you oh, like i see um we've already had um quite a few people inquire who didn't make it to this one haven't we ken who um yeah who want to come and um you know the thing is is obviously we we, i mean we would love to just do it again in a couple of months but you've got to you know we want to plan it i'm i I don't i can't speak for ken but i was knackered and that wasn't just because we went out afterwards but i was absolutely shattered for a few days um it, it took a lot and um also we want to be able to offer a a similar experience to what we had this time. So speaking to manufacturers, speaking to things, we, we even, I mean, last night, if you watched the podcast, Mel, the terrain tutor even suggested that he might come along to yep. it. So yeah. that would be, you know, if we can get some of these people um, that we have on the cast to, to come and get down. the Perry's there this time. Cause they were going to, they were, they were going to come, but they went uh, somewhere else, didn't they? And they they went, yeah, they, yeah, they did come to our one. They went, they went to a. It was a big, it was a big event on Sunday, wasn't uh, there? Was, what, was there a war gaming event on? Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd yeah, love to so, meet them. Yes, <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, do, do you know what? You should reach out to them and um, ask them to uh, come on. I'm sure they'd be happy to. They, they told us some funny stories about when they were doing the sculpts. Oh they? yeah, and they, had, and, they um, and they had to send each sculpt for approval. And apparently, they they wouldn't tell us who it was, but there's one one member of the fellowship that was rather <laughs> picky, but they won't tell us who it was. Mm, yeah, mm, wonder. <laughs> 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 it was probably Ian McKellen, actually. Uh, no, I'm playing Orlando for that one. Oh, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. He was, he was, it was his first proper film, though, wasn't it? I think. I wonder if he's uh, uh, no, he was he's in grown Blackhawk into an ego since that. then. 
Was it? Yeah. Was it? Yeah, yeah. He was in, he'd done lots before that. I think it he might have been released. Murders, I think it, I think Blackwell might have been released before it, but I think it was his first big acting role in terms of um, fi- um, filming. I'm sure. Mm. I have to look yeah. that up. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe maybe we will send him a message one day. I know he's been on. There's a there's a, a guy who does a podcast called Entmoot Harry, um, and he's got a um, YouTube channel as well. Um, yeah. Battle. Battle, that's battle games in Middle Earth. Always getting muddled up with battle streams in Middle Earth, which is something completely different. Um, and he's got an interview with with the Perrys on there, um, and he's got an interview with um, Rick Priestley as well. And really, really worth checking they're, out. They're really, really nice and really open people. They really are. It's like Michael um, says, his favourite miniature is uh, Smaug. Yeah, because it was his only CAD uh, yeah. design mini he done. <laughs> didn't he say he was, he was just noodling about? Didn't he? He yeah, was like, oh, I was just noodling it. about. Yeah, he's, he's still got it. <laughs> he got he got given a he got given one. He goes, it's here somewhere. <laughs> but suppose, it's still in the box so it's not been done I suppose so, he's uh, done so many if that's your job and you've done so many it's sort of the, the, the excitement of building it and painting it yourself might not not be there they do what they're gaming at the moment don't they so all their their, their kind yeah, of thing is what it, they're interested it, in playing it, so they do have peter jackson's phone number we did realize that we're, it's like two degrees of separation from peter jackson <laughs> yeah it's, it's not far so you want to get them to to, to crack on to well, get plastic them drunk crack, plastic crack then, podcast he likes it steal a phone <laughs> steal his mobile and see if you can find <laughs> <laughs> oh no I shouldn't have said that in front of Ken um, definitely not <laughs> oh, well I'm, I I hope I can come along next year um, it really will depend on where the date falls with other things going on and uh, families and holidays and stuff so I'll be up I will be very very jealous if I uh, if it clashes with anything that means I can't come because I'd really love to come along again because I had such a, a really really good time including the evening as well going out for a few beers and things I will I'm I probably don't regret ducking out about half eleven and not joining you guys with, with, with what you got up to in town. Um, <laughs> sounds like no, it was no, good fun. Was, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for those of us that can can remember it. But the, the good thing is, is, as I said to to Ken, is that ultimately what was so nice about it is you know you had set, uh, 30 people who met up for seven hours of gaming and yeah. all felt happy enough and comfortable enough with each other to go out and do nine hours of, of drinking, <laughs> you know, and, um, but everyone was chatting like they'd been friends for years. Yes. That was, it was fantastic. And, and, you know, we talk about things, you know, we have people there who'd never actually gamed before and they'd been painters and they'd yeah. watched the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. we, we had people who, there was someone there who picked up, I think he picked up nearly 700 Wars of the Roses miniatures um, while he was there for his order. And then at the same time, he was putting in an order for 700 Napoleonic miniatures. And then, you know, my, you know, we, we, I know there's a sort of a running sort of like meme almost about um, sort of wives and and, and wargaming, but my wife, you know, felt, you know, she comes along, she likes playing wargames, but she had such a good time with everybody that I now know that she's got like, she's having multiple chats with people about different games. (laughs) And it doesn't involve me at all. (laughs) Brilliant. <laughs> oh, fantastic! No, it was an absolutely awesome event. So, um, do you guys want to shout anything else out before I uh, let you guys go? Um, just, uh, just uh, anyone um, that from our podcast. Um, thanks for your support. It's been um, great to have you along on the journey. And like we've said before, it's not just us four when it comes to the podcast. It's all our community. We all make the Plastic Crap podcast. It's everyone's podcast. So, yeah, definitely. 
And that's it. So if you if you want to check it out, then uh, search for the Plastic Crack podcast on Facebook, and you'll find the group on there. One day we will get into these other fangled social media things. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, the other thing is just on um, search YouTube. for it on um, YouTube, and um, you'll find an episode, and that'll link you straight to everything. And um, Monday nights, eight o'clock on um, either Seventh Sun Miniature Wargaming Warriors on Point HQ or Boots on the Table with Dom. And um, yeah, join us for two hours, and um, yeah, have a laugh. Come stay, you'll never leave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure you should go into other other um, social media things. But the last thing we need is Ken on TikTok or anything like that. I think. Yeah. Oh God, um, yeah. <laughs> brother Ken, yes, or only fans, good run it. Or only fans, yeah. Only fans, boy. Only, only fan, yes. We're, Mate, we're that's good. not a bad shout, is it? Oh, there we go. No, no. <laughs> uh, well, on on that note, I will put all those links in in the show notes. So if you want to go and just click on the links to access to all the channels. So thank you very much both of you for coming on the show and for letting us come along and, and put a game on the on the on crack on as well they're really really good thank you. Thanks, thank you for coming. Yeah. no worries thank you thank right you. then we'll take a little break and we'll come back with the council of elrond incom gaming the new center for tabletop wargaming in gloucestershire visit incomgaming.co.uk for great savings on pre-orders and all your hobby needs we stock many gaming systems and hobby accessories and can ship to anywhere in the uk market-leading gaming mats from gamemats.eu. Visit the store and check out how to turn your tabletop into a battlefield. Incom Gaming is based in the centre of Cheltenham and offers tables and scenery for casual and organised play with a fully licensed bar. Check out our events page for upcoming events where everyone is welcome. Visit incomgaming.co.uk. Incom Gaming. Come game, shop, drink. And we're here for the Council of Elrond, and it's a, an exciting one because it's a, a new book, new book one, isn't it? A new book day, but always fun when we have something new to go through, and it uh, tends to lead on to a number of uh, deeper delves through shows afterwards. But what we're here to do today really is give a kind of a an overview review of the Fall of the Necromancer, the latest book from Games Workshop and the Middle Earth team. So. Um, let's crack straight into it. Really, what's um, what's what's the book about, Dan? What's the setting for it? Well, we have, uh, as you'd expect, the uh, tale of the necromancer, essentially uh, the Dol Guldur part of uh, Middle Earth, most notably sort of uh, shown as part of the Hobbit movies and spoken about more indirectly in the books, mainly in the appendices. It's briefly mentioned. Um, during the Council of Elrond, for for instance, the quote I read at the head of the uh, episode this this time round is an excerpt from the uh, Council of Elrond from the Lord of the Rings. Um, so it's largely part of the the greater sort of source, the greater background of the Middle Earth uh, sort of universe. But uh, yeah, this is basically uh, I don't want to say the word rehash because I think that's incredibly unfair. I think it's um, they've enriched the original source book that was used to be available all those years ago i do believe under the same name as well so it's a collection of narrative play scenarios a linked campaign a bit of history some army lists some legendary legions and some painting and modeling articles as part of a uh, hardback book so it published uh the well the saturday just gone or released rather it's uh effectively 71 pages long and it's a uh, hardback. It's uh, thirty pounds or your local equivalent. 
And uh, yeah, so what are your thoughts, Stu? Um, well, you've covered it really well as an overview. It's, it's it's essentially the bits from the appendices and those bits in the Hobbit films that uh, you won't find in the Hobbit book. Those they're almost links to the the Ring storyline, aren't they? Um, the, and it's yeah, it connects, very much Sauron's connects, story. Yeah, exactly, and it connects the 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 two storylines so the hobbit storyline and the lord of the rings storyline quite nicely gives the origins for what's to come in the the lord of the rings storyline and some background yeah, it, and a little bit a, a bit of kind of prequel stuff for the, uh, the 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 white council and gandalf and, and and that kind of stuff and i really really enjoyed that part of the film um and I, it's I a very good bridge between the second and the third age i feel yes and i, I think a lot of people who didn't like the hobbit films um, and felt that, that they'd rather just have a Hobbit book. Actually, don't mind this part. I don't know if they want it in the film, but I think that you know that people seem to think that it was done well. There's not. I've not spoken to many people to say it's horrible. Get rid of it. Um, there's uh, there's other more contentious parts. Um, regardless of whether it's part of the Hobbit or not, it's uh, it's a very good piece of storytelling. Um, and I'm, I'm I'm glad they had it in there. But anyway, that's what this book is about. Um, especially if you're not. And not been around for the the original version of version version of this a version of this. Um, okay, so let's let's sort of crack into the the first segment. We're going to take you through each segment of the book. Um, so you've got the first segment is is basically history, isn't it, Dan? So what sort of stuff does it cover? Yes. Well, it essentially covers um, right from sort of the the right at the end of the Second Age essentially beginning where Isildur cuts the one ring from Sauron's hand um, yep. traveling basically through the, the, the second age to, through the third age. So you've got Sauron returning to middle earth, beginning to take new form. And then he's sort of flitting about Gandalf's initial suspicions, which ends uh, sort of the, the lonely mountain, the whole Erebor saga, the events of the Hobbit, which is roughly the time when essentially, um, the White Council go in and kick the Necromancer out, and he basically shows himself as Sauron and proclaims his allegiance and returns to Mordor. Yeah. So that's, that's sort of in a nutshell, I suppose. That it's sort of the formation as well of of Dog Order itself, back from when it was an area in Greenwood. Yeah. Uh, formerly known as Amon Lank, uh, from which it was founded. So, and then that becomes sort of perverted and uh, despoiled to become uh, Mirkwood, as it's known, and forevermore, really. And uh, that's, that's, you know, that's a a running theme along the side of it. It shows very much um, how the influence of Sauron does pervert and corrupt the area around him. It very much ties it to being Melkor's lieutenant. It shows how evil corrupts. I, I think that's a really nice theme throughout the whole thing as well. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's done very briefly. It's two pages, and it just kind of puts. We've talked about this before, actually. It kind of takes the text from the appendices and then what we know from the films, and, and puts it in a very easy to read, easily accessible kind of. This is the, this is the narrative. This is the theme of the book. Very uh, much so. And okay. I mean, they they pack an awful lot of information into quite a small space for that, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, there's a, few, a fair few columns of text there. It's not it's it's two pages, but if it was a I don't know if it was a novel, it would probably be about ten or something like that, wouldn't it? Or maybe eight or something like that. So it's not it's not a long bit of reading, but it's also not um, not not just a couple of lines either. 
no, there's no double spacing. There's enough. Um, there's enough content there, so to speak. Um, and then the next section we go into is the the, the narrative scenarios. Um, so, so the first one's called the founding of Dol Guldur, and I suppose that essentially is what it is, isn't it? It's uh, it's Sauron who's um, been uh, been banished, um, returning. And, and trying to uh, build his fortress in secret, um, so you're kind of in a in a wooded area on a four by four board, and um, they're trying to clear the area of of woodsmen, um, and um, the woodsmen are basically Rohan warriors in terms of profiles. So it's twelve woodsmen, four with shield, four with throwing spear, four with uh, a bow, and as a uh, and the chieftain uses a Rohan of captain a, a, a captain of Rohan's profile. Um, and then the evil side is a necromancer of Dolgodord and 12 um, orc warriors. Well, I won't go through all the, the, the war gear. It seems a bit silly, actually. Um, yeah. So it's notable that the Dark Lord starts with a reduced sort of, uh, sort of store bank of will. He's, yes. He's a, less, he's a lesser Dark Lord. He's, he's, still, uh, he's still quite Very weak. much licking his wounds. So, yeah, it, it, and it's a very, very, very simple scenario, really. You've just got to... Um, got to got to kill the woods woodsman <laughs> so it's it's not going to be something that's going to be i don't know too much of a head scratcher tactically i don't think um but it's just a, a nice kind of very straightforward fluffy kind of get you off and running kind of scenario um and then what's the next one dan yeah, we have the gathering evil so um basically sauron or the necromancer as he's now known has established his foundation of dog order and he's looking to spread his malign influence across the Greenwood. So this is the beginning of um, the growing dread, growing unease, Mirkwood becoming more of a reality. So what you've got is um, the rangers are setting out in order to um, find out what's going on. So they end up finding Dolgodur, and then they're attempting to return to report what they found. And obviously the Necromancer can't be having any of that. Um, so basically the way it plays is, uh, you end up with a, uh, a good deployment zone, which is like a six inch bubble. And then the evil, uh, play player deploys up to halfway onto the board from the other side with the necromancer right on the sort of middle line, starting line, if you want to go that way. And the elves have got to make it through and escape off the board. They need to get four elves off and obviously evil has to prevent that from happening. Yep, another kind of fairly straightforward, low, reasonably low model count. There's a there's a Merkwood, um captain and ten Merkwood rangers versus the uh, the necromancer and um, twelve orcs. So again, low model count. Um, fairly, it should be fairly easy to pay quite quickly. Yes, um, although um, it's quite a high probability of a draw, I think, because the evil side needs to kill all the elves. Yeah. Whereas the elves need to get four off. So between one and three is a draw. So I think there's a reasonable chance of a draw on that one. Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so. And that's the Decamats are doing quite a lot of heavy lifting there as well. So, but yeah, it's cool. Really cool. Um, well, they balanced out the dwarf, the elves shooting attacks by saying they can only shoot up to six. Yes, yeah, it's, dark. Some, it's, it's dark and nice, dense, thick forest as well. Yeah, otherwise it would be extremely one-sided. Um, right, and so the next one is called Corruption of the Greenwood. Um, so that we're continuing the theme of the, a bit like you described in the the, the sort of. The, the history really as the uh, as the greenwood slowly corrupts and, and doesn't really ever return um so this is 
um, Mirkwood Rangers against uh, four Castellans of Dolgador and then some spiders this time. Um, so there's my favourite. <laughs> so we might not be playing this one. Um, so the, I think the idea of this one is really to kind of corrupt the area by uh, um, you know going for objectives isn't it um, so the game lasts for 10 turns the good player wins if two or two or fewer objectives are corrupted at the end of the game so you're going to be scurrying around with your spiders um, trying to corrupt the objectives um, and basically turn the green wood brown or black Um <laughs> Um, again, yeah, it's very much a game of tag, really. I quite like it. Yeah. But it's got a defined turn length of 10 turns. So, yeah, yeah it's going to be a lot of very a quick movement. I think there'd be a lot of uh, casualties on both sides. Yes, I'd say so. You, you've got you've got six giant spiders, six Mirkwood spiders, six Felwargs and two bat swarms. Um, so it's, yeah, pretty pretty nasty for those poor Mirkwood rangers there. Um, but I like it. Again, it's something quite different should be relative this is not quite as easy i imagine that um there's less people that have those kind of numbers of spiders in 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 their collection unless they uh play those factions and things uh but i might be tempted. <laughs> I, I would love i would love them they've always been quite expensive but um, not expensive but you know what i mean in terms of a for a force you may not use very often it's not like you can pick up a plastic box set and you're, you're done really they've always been a bit more of a, an investment so i um but i will treat myself at some point but um so what's the next one oh just the perfect one for me it's called lurking in the shadows and it's basically a massive spider fest <laughs> so uh, this is where you get the spider queen it's the elves have basically stumbled into the spider queen's nest i get horrible flashbacks of uh was it aragog from the uh, harry potter movies <laughs> <laughs> yeah frankly uh goodbye friends of galadriel <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah i absolutely will not be playing this or having anything to do with it because nope i won't be painting that many spiders vile things but um <laughs> it's um it's a very similar kind of participants as well isn't it the difference is the evil side lose the four castellans of dogador and, and gain the spider queen but the rest is is pretty much the same oh yeah no no fell wilds either it's still the six giant spiders and the six mirkwood spiders you can also get your spiders back from the spiders nests which are littered around the map as which yes. is quite an interesting one so, um, Brilliant. basically, the game lasts until one force has completed their objective. So the evil have to kill all the elves, which probably isn't as hard as it sounds. And uh, the good force wins if they can kill the Spider Queen. Now, she's pretty tough, and uh, you can only wound her on a natural roll of a six uh, with shooting, and you minus one penalties hit. So they're looking at fours, fives on the move, with sixes natural to, to wound. That's not as easy as it's probably going to sound. No. No, 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 it's not. Right then, so bringing up the next one is Flight to the East. Um, I love so this one. Me it's too. It's my favourite. Me too, and I think we're we're going to try this one. Um, yes. So this is this is Gandalf discovering Dol Guldur and and the necromancer trying to um, not be discovered, essentially. Um, and you've got to put, I think you put loads of, um, you put six 14mm bases along the, what would be the western board edge, don't you? Um, yes. And you've got to 
get the um, one of them is going to be the necromancer, um, and, and the rest of them are dummies, and you've got to get him to the other side of the board edge, um, and then Gandalf's got to try and reveal the necromancer. So when he's within six inches, I, I think from memory, let me just check. Yeah, six inches of one of the bases, um, and if you can draw an obscured line of sight, um, then the evil player must reveal um, whether it's a, the a decoy or whether it's actually the necromancer. Um, so I quite like it. It's um, it feels a bit like a sports game. It feels like you can rush poor Gandalf with six of those bases, and he's trying to got to try and cover all the areas. But um, it's different. This is this excites me more than than, than some of the other more basic ones. Um, this has got something a little bit different to to it as a game. Um, yeah, I quite like the uh, the Castellans are lurking, and they actually boosted Gandalf as well. They gave him an extra attack. Yes, which is not bad considering he's not. Really, a slouch with two attacks, no blundering and everything else. That's, that's pretty good. Yes, yeah. Well, it, that is always often one of his problems is only having one. I think just to balance the scenario a little bit, it's needed. And then the necromancer loses a point of will at the end of each move phase as well if he's not been revealed. So there's um, there's a little bit of balancing going on there. It's one of those I I, I don't actually know how it would play out. It looks, I think it might depend on on your terrain and your level of terrain you look at the map it looks like there's a fair bit doesn't it it looks like yes. you should have a fair bit um and if you don't put much on there i imagine it would be fairly easy unless the um, good player gets lucky and, and picks the right base to go for so to speak um but um yeah i think i think it could play a few different ways um but good fun um, yeah definitely well, what have we got coming up up after that we've got the watchful piece so uh we get uh, basically Legolas. It's basically there was a period after Sauron fled to the east in which there was um, a watchful peace. So there was still evil uh, kicking around in Mirkwood, but uh, it was leaderless. It wasn't being uh, marshaled and rallied by the necromancer. So the the wood elves, Thranduil's ilk, uh, would go out and try and patrol all those. So this is to represent sort of one of those patrols. Um, and we get Legolas Greenleaf, Prince of Mirkwood, a Mirkwood Ranger captain and 10 Mirkwood Rangers going out to murder all the orcs. Yeah. Uh, so the good side wins if they can reduce the evil, which is uh, two captains and 24 warriors down to, they basically quarter them out. Yeah. And uh, same, same remaining. Yeah. So, yep. So, it's, it's pretty much like a match play. Yes, I thought that. I thought it was extremely simple. Um, but a bit of fun, um, and I imagine there's a lot of people with these. With people have got these armies, very easy just to just to sort of play it out for some fun. Um, but yeah, it's not nothing groundbreaking. Um, but um, it's it works within the narrative, especially as the campaign, which we'll cover after this. Um, so I like, I like this, like the unflattering picture of of Legolas as well on that one. <laughs> uh, I think that's the see the barrels out of bond part, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Plus, uh, they, they, they give a pretty cool rule for the Silent Hunters. The the elves do become a little bit like the Terminator in that, so uh, they can re-roll to hit rolls if they don't move. Right. Solid. It's the unflattering picture of him again on the next um, the next page, just from the uh, the other angle. Um, yeah. So the next one is called Clearing the Nests, um, and it's the Legolas uh, and uh, Tariel and ten Mirkwood Rangers. This is, sounds like a, a Damien O'Byrne scenario. He'd love to play no, that. No, it'd, it'd be Tariel plus Tariel plus <laughs> ten Tariels. Um, against six Mirkwood spiders and six giant spiders. So this is... 
yeah, this is this is I suppose a bit like the the scene from the the Hobbit when they rescue the rescue the dwarves. It's not because it's not that part of the narrative, is it? I don't think it's supposed to be in terms of timeline, um, but it's definitely that kind of you can picture that scene of the film, and that's what the game will you know look like if you were uh, if you're so minded just to to think of games that way. Um, so that basically, you've got to destroy the nests and um, set them on fire. Um, I can't remember how many you need to to wipe out. I've forgotten already. I only read this. There's only one spider nest. They have to destroy that one spider nest, but they get an awful lot of spiders back. Nice, 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 nice. So again, a bit of fun. I don't have any of the models to play that, unfortunately. Um, You definitely don't with the spiders involved. Uh, (laughs) I have a Legolas and a Tauriel, but they're the wrong ones. So I will pick up the plastic one. I want to do um, work with Rangers next year. So okay, well, we'll uh, I might pick up some spiders, as I said. So if we do, we can always go back and and try those. So what what is the next one? So more spiders, funnily enough. This book's <laughs> not exactly the best thing in the world for me. Uh, Attack on Roscobel. So this is where the spiders um, have been kicking about in the uh, in, in Mirkwood. The uh, foulness of Mirkwood is affecting all of Radagast's little friends, and they decide to have a pop at him at home which I think is a bit rude, to be honest. Um, so you've got Radagast the Brown and four Mirkwood Spiders being the uh, other side. And uh, you've got six objectives, which are woodland creatures that have fallen sick, according to the uh, the whims of the necromancer, made him ill. And um, Radagast has to go around and rescue these creatures and get back to his house to get to the front door, and the evil side has to kill him. That's pretty much it. Pretty much, yeah. And that, again, is... Uh... A scene that we kind of touched on in the film, wasn't it? When uh, when he first noticed the evil and uh, and it was he's trying to save his little hedgehog. What's his hedgehog called? Sebastian. Sebastian. That's it. So um, yeah, looks oh, that could be a good bit of fun. Um, again, if you've got lots and lots of spiders knocking around. Um, so the next one again, quite a, a, a scene that people will remember from the film is the exploration of Dolgaldur, and this is Radagast himself snooping around in the in the ruins um and he's got to try and find evidence of evil in, in Dolgaldur. Um so if he he's this there's six statues and uh, if he ends his movement in base contact with the statue he may investigate it on a roll of a D six and a one to five it's just a statue and nothing happens. On a roll of a six, Radicast locates evidence um he needs and it's a light object. So also the Witch King is involved um, and yes. he's he's one of the statues, isn't he? Hiding as one of the statues. Yes. And if you um, if you discover him, not only have you discovered evil, <laughs> um, you're also up creek without a paddle. I think um, you, you you could get a little it, bit nasty. Yes, it's um, <laughs> it basically you place the witch king within three inches of the statues, hiding uh, one inches away from uh, Radagast, and then the witch king may move as normal. <laughs> So, Which is pretty brutal. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but um, again, this, this is this is a, a bit of fun, isn't it? It's on a two by two board. Um, it's, this is one that we we're probably going to try. I think because it will, it will, especially if we don't get together to try it. This is something that we can we can try using webcams and stuff because it's a relatively small board and a couple yep. of models. It will work really really well. So for yeah. distance play, for, for those of you that have, have done that, um, this is one of those good ones for that. And I'm looking forward to trying it out. It's 
be a bit of fun. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I've got, I've got the model I'm not looking well. forward to um, bumping into the wrong statue first turn and, and <laughs> the necromancer jumping out and that being game over within about 10 minutes. But it's easy for a re-rack, I'd say. Um, so what's, what's the next one? Well, this one, um, as per the designer's note, uh, this scenario was originally created as a fan-made scenario by Damien O'Byrne and Tom Harrison when the extended edition of Hobbit The Battle of Five Armies came out. They've kindly allowed us to make some small tweaks to update the scenario and publish it within this supplement, which I think is really, really cool. It is very, very cool. And they're thanked at the the front of the book as well on the the sort of inside the... as well as the ring race the ring shadowy race are, group yes well the, the, the <laughs> ring race I'm, I'm assuming are the play testers um and that's sort of the close support there but um for, for those to, for, for damon and tom to be kind of named inside the front as well i bet they're uh, it's, a, it's a nice little honor isn't it nice little i bet they're yeah, chuffed to have their the notoriety is secured yes so uh <laughs> this is a thrain the broken this scenario and it represents um after gandalf and radagast had popped up to the high fells to have a look at the tombs of the ring wraiths they yes. realised, oh, they're a bit empty. So he, he pops back in order to determine what's going on in Dol Gordur because Gandalf's always been a bit uh, curious and a bit suspicious. And then he gets attacked by Thrain. So basically you're kicking around in the dungeons of Dol Gordur and the overall objective for the good side is for Gandalf to break the hold of madness upon Thrain. Yep. Uh, so basically a good player wins if they can disarm each objective first and then subdue Thrain. He's basically knocking around uh, Dogwooder, banging his staff on the ground, going, you know, knock, knock, who's there? And uh, evil player wins if Gandalf is, Gandalf is slain. Yep. So And there's five hunter orcs kicking about as well, but uh, I don't fancy their chances against a quite cross Gandalf, <laughs> especially because he causes terror and they've got pretty low courage. Yes, this is true. This is true. And their sentries, so... Gandalf can largely ignore them, but he can't use all of his spells. Yeah, if they, if they weren't sentries, that's it. I think that's quite important. If they weren't sentries, then it could be a pain. Um, they can block him and they can also gang up on him and things. So then being sentries helps a little bit more. But um, yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Again, we're following that narrative that we saw very much in the film. You can really kind of... If you if you stripped all of those bits out of the films and watched them together, that's what these scenarios are doing almost one by one. Maybe not so much the kind of the, the battley ones between the, the clear and the nest and things. They're things that would you've got to imagine that were going on. Um, but anything involving Dol Guldur and and Radagast and Gandalf and things are scenes directly from the film. Okay, so the next one is a. Or capture the Grey Wizard. So this is the the part where where, where Gandalf um, gets captured, and that's that's the, basically the objective of the scenario. So Gandalf and Thrain have to escape off the eastern board edge, and and the, and the Necromancer and Azog and six Hunter Orcs on Felwogs and twelve Hunter Orcs um, have to stop him and capture him. Um, and that's about it, really, isn't it? Um, yeah, there's an escalating reserves roll. Yes, um, yeah. where you you roll um, on the chart each time, and um, the, on, on a twelve, they get the necromancer and Azogs in this one actually. Um, six hunter orcs on Felwags and twelve hunter orcs, so it sort of scales up as it yes, goes yeah, along. Yeah, I should have said that. You don't want them all at the same time because it gets quite hard then. Um, but um, yeah, that's uh, it's. It's a three by two board as well, so it's a bit more compact. But again, you, it's, 
it's probably it, sh- it should be hard because Gandalf does get captured, doesn't he? So you know he, he shouldn't be really escaping. Yeah. I think these narrative ones should be a challenge, but they should also be geared towards following the the narrative of the film and book a bit more than they should just be even every time. Um, so it should be a bit of a challenge, but it'll be interesting to play at some point. Um, between us, we've got the models, um, so we might have to get together to do that one. But uh, um, it'd be a bit fun. Um, yeah, what, definitely. And what have we got? After that one, make haste to Dolgaldur. This is uh, when uh, Radagast has uh, sort of gone after Gandalf goes to Dolgaldur alone. He's uh, obviously thought, "Oh, this isn't good," so he's whizzed off uh, to give the message to the rest of the White Council, and then he's returning to Gandalf's aid. So basically, he has to ride through Mirkwood between all of the spiders, of which there are six Mirkwood spiders and six giant spiders, on his sleigh. And uh, basically, get off the other side of the board. Yes, and it's uh, yeah six by four this time, so a slightly longer board. But I'm guessing he's on his sleigh. You you want to give him a bit a bit of a challenge, um, but again, could be quite fun. I don't have any of the models for this, unfortunately. But uh, I think you might be purchasing the sleigh at some point. So if I do, purchase yeah, the, he's uh, not far spiders, off. Um, and I'm sure at some point next year we'll we'll get together and we can try and knock a few of these out for some fun um and 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 then and then the final scenario is the one that everyone that's probably already guessed they definitely if they've seen the film and uh aware of the way it goes is the fall of the necromancer which is the uh the big um the battle up. scene the big dust up as the uh the white council basically come to rescue gandalf Gandalf's, Are you in need of assistance? Yes, it's Gandalf. <laughs> the greatest line in all six films. <laughs> it's got good. So Gandalf starts in the middle. Um, not really in much use, to be honest with you. So he's in the participants, um, but you've not really got Gandalf to use. He uh, starts the game with no might or will, no staff of power, um, and paralysed. Um, which is he's had a bit of a rough day, though. Bless him. Yes. The, uh, the keeper's been giving him a bit of a slap for a while. Yes, and he and he counts as a as a heavy object, and I think once the keeper is is killed, um, then uh, the the nine Nazgul of Dol Guldur appear, don't they? So yes. um, so you've got to kill him, but then also ouch, um, and then Radagast has to rescue Gandalf and take him away on his sleigh, and the good player can choose when he when he arrives as the end of any good move phase after Saruman and Elrond have arrived. Um, um, so at the beginning of the ninth game turn, the evil player places the necromancer touching any board as well. So it's quite, it's kind of staged, isn't it? You don't shove everything yeah. on the table. Otherwise it would be just a, a bit of a match play kind of thing and a bit a bit difficult at times. But uh, um, I'm interested in that because it's eight, four, five versus a thousand. Good to mm. evil. Yeah, I think. Although you would have lost the keeper by that point. Yeah, and Gandalf's. Well, he's eight, he's eight for he's Gandalf included in that. Yeah, well, that's a good point. He's practically useless. So. <laughs> yeah, so mate, that's probably why the necromancer doesn't come on the board to the to the to the ninth game turn, isn't it? Um, it does say you know stuff for power, but it doesn't say no glamdring. So he's still pretty tidy in a fight. He is if you can. He's paralysed though, isn't he? So only for the first turn. turn. So yeah. Um, no might or will, but no, he, he does get his free point of will, doesn't he? Every you're turn you're going to be trying time. to kind of get him somewhere to safety, aren't you? So that uh, Radagast can come on and rescue him. I think. I think that's going to be the going to be the, the given the approach. Um, but 
I want to try it, and I think we we plan to do this one as well. It's a two by two board as well, so it's all quite compact. Um, so I think that's I think there's three we said we were going to do um, over the over the interwebs, and this will be the last one. Um, we've got the bits between us. In fact, you've got all the models, haven't you? With the um, exception of Radagast on Slave, that that that's coming soon. I've yes. got the majority. I've got most of them in front of me. And I've um, I got the uh, I've got the White Council. They have arrived since the first part of the show. Not while we're recording. We might be recording this part on a separate day. Um, they have arrived, so um, they are my painting project now. But uh, they won't be won't be being used in this game because I think you're going to do the the uh, the camera work for for this one because you've got more of the models. It makes sense that way. Um, you don't have the, the Nazgul, do you? No, I don't. I don't have the nine, so it makes more sense if you have got all the models for you to do the do the filming part, and I just sit and. Uh, you have the keeper. I don't know. Not at all. You the necromancer. Nope. That's why you're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking. Hey, you don't have any of it. It'd be basis if I was doing it. Not that it matter for testing it, so to speak, but that's not what we're about, really. We want to, um, at very, very least, have most of the models on the table. So I will probably sit there with my um, maybe painted, maybe half-painted uh, white council um, and a dice tray, <laughs> and, um, and you'll be doing all the work the other end. But it's gonna, I'm looking forward to doing it. So I think that's the plan, people, people listening to this, I think that's the plan that we're going, going to do some, um, some of our deeper delve things where we play the scenarios and do a, a deeper review, and it looks like we're going to do that one remind me of the other two so the the radagast um discovering one wasn't it the um we've only just read this exploration of dog or i think we were going to do that one weren't we and yes. then the gandalf um, um yeah the flight to the east one yes the yeah, gandalf the the so they're the, i think they're the three we're going to do we may cover two in one show and then the fall of the necromancer in a second one we'll see how it goes but that will hopefully be coming up in the next kind of um, interspersed with a couple of other things over the next four or five episodes or so but um so that's the end of the all the scenarios the 13 scenarios in a book um it seems like a i don't know it seems like there was enough there to um cover the narrative of that story story arc for me i don't think it's missing anything i mean obviously if you think there's a scenario that would have been cool let's let us know put in the comments or something on the show post but off the top of my head i can't think of anything about yourself dan no no i think it's sort of just the whole thing really yep absolutely so and then you have what we have in all of these books now is a linked campaign using those scenarios um now i've i've not read through this the, the bonuses it's and things great right really so I'll, I'll let you talk us through that part then. Well, essentially um for there is a condition um under each of these uh scenarios if you play them in order that if for instance um let's go and look at the corruption of the greenwood if yep. the good side wins that, in the Lurking of the Shadow scenario, which is the next one, the evil player may only decide where the spider models interplay on a 5+, plus rather than a 4+. Plus. Right. So that gives you a bit of benefit towards the um, deployment of the evil forces. And then if evil win this scenario, in the Lurking of the Shadow scenario, the evil player must may on a 3+, plus rather than a 4+. plus. So it, it slightly changes the way that they uh, sort of function. Um, right. I get you, but not well, the, so much. The exploration. Um, in the make haste to Dolgodor scenario, if the Merkwood spider hits Radagast with its webbing, roll a d6. On the roll of a natural six, the shot misses and Radagast suffers no effects of being webbed. If he wins that, when he goes to the make haste, it makes him better. Um, but right. if he will win that one, he only starts with a single point of might Ooh. on the make haste. 
Ooh, okay. <laughs> I like it though. It's good. So it comes much later because you've actually two scenarios apart on that one, but it does link them. Excellent. So I think in terms of um, in terms of models, some people, as I said, some people might not have the less common things for, for for general collections. I think in terms of like the spiders, and I imagine there's less people have the Nazgul of Dolgaldur versus people with a small. Um, Minas Tirith Force or something like that but in terms of the size of the, the amount of models you need and the length of the campaign it's not it's quite accessible isn't it to make a few purchases mm. and play the whole thing whereas you look at uh, War in Rohan or Gondor at War um, you pick out some scenarios but other ones you're thinking oh god okay I need a whole army there for, for a faction I don't play whereas these are a little bit smaller so in some ways I think it's quite accessible for a, a couple of people to get together and go yeah let's do this for a fun project um, so we're not a million miles off just naturally I think if I bought some spiders with the purchases you're going to make and your Merkwood next year we'd, we'd have enough to sit and, sit and do this whether we'd have the time <laughs> to sit and do it I don't know but um, it's not it's not out of the way to do it I quite like it it's cool sounds good yeah I, I was very impressed with it um, to be honest they seem to do a really good job of that kind of thing we got a really good sort of taste of that in uh, Quest of the Ring Bearer and sort of like the other bits and pieces and I it, it definitely adds an extra dimension to your gaming, and I really like that, the idea of going through all the scenarios with a friend or a gaming group. Yeah, totally agree. Totally, totally agree. Right, so the next section in the book is the army section, and this is something you have in all of these supplements, and you kind of get the the kind of the fluff bit and the special rules for the factions that are included in the Legendary Legions later on, or that are covered in the book. Um, without any of the profiles, so it's kind of like a bit of a recap that you'd have from the army books, and then just that kind of little blurb about them that tells you the strength of the the army and the weaknesses. So if you had picked this up, um, but you hadn't picked up those other books or something, it would give you a little idea. And obviously, you need those books to play because that's where your profiles are for these models. But let's just say you hadn't; it does give you a little little bit. So it's not it's one of those things that's definitely needed, but it's also nice to have it there as a as a reference point because maybe it's a faction you've not. Um, play before um, which is quite often the case with with narrative scenarios um, so it just gives you a little rundown so you've got the, the ones covered you know, the white council radagast alliance halls of thranduil um, dark powers of dol guldur um, dark denizens of mirkwood and that's it um, a lot of the stuff is kind of you know irrelevant for this and a lot of the army bonus you won't be using with a with a legendary legion anyway etc but uh, it's, it's not too bad for a bit of reference but if it wasn't there it wouldn't you know, it wouldn't wouldn't matter too much to the to the publication in itself. Um, and then it brings us on to the bit that, um, that that always seems to be the go to for, for I'd say for the majority of players. Um, I know we like our narrative stuff more, but the legendary legions um, seem to get the, uh, the 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 tournament scene players going a little very excited. But I, I love legendary legions anyway, and that's definitely the way I am kind of migrating towards building forces for sort of match play style things. I love the 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 thematic. Um, approach to it so you get the usual introduction to legendary legions that explains that uh, how they work should you have not bought one of these purchased books before and just had the normal army books so that you can't ally them etc etc and you don't have the army bonus um, and then we're on to the legendary legions themselves so Dan what's the first one it's actually the one I'm most interested in for next year um, although for theme and unfortunately after reading it I get the feeling this may be a slightly contentious one. Um, okay. The Rangers of Mirkwood. I think this is uh, sort of a hyper shooty list. Um, so you've got Legolas, uh, 
with the option of the elven cloak you can't have um uh, or crist right or or a horse there's no, there's no mounted models in this army mm-hmm. uh Tariel with elf bow yeah could ranger captain Merkwood rangers you can have a warhorn and wood elf sentinels okay and it's 100 percent bows isn't it for this one it is it, well, they may have 100 percent models on with bows but i think pretty much all of them come with bows anyway so yes uh, they get some rules for having knife mastery. Can we roll ones to wound when making strikes? Yep. Um, and they may use a shielding rule, even when they're not equipped with a shield. But they can't use knife fighters, uh, knife fighters or blade mistress special rules if they're doing that. Um, Legolas uh, gets the knife fighter special rule when it's part of this legendary legion. Uh, all of them gain hatred spider. Um, but if their models are within an inch of a tree or within a piece of woodland terrain, um, roll a six. If they're wounded on a natural six, they get to ignore it as if a point of fate had been expended, which is pretty cool. And uh, in scenarios we roll for additional forces to arrive, uh, reinforcements, etc., you receive a bonus of plus one to the dice roll for warbands for the legendary legion. Um, and if you roll to see which part of the board your warbands deploy, and you may modify the dice by one either way. So that's pretty cool. It gives them a lot of mobility. For, especially for an army that's uh, on foot. Yes, but, yes, uh, absolutely. Given the the high shoot value, the, the 100% bow limit, it could be potentially a little bit uh, a little bit contentious in some circles, I think. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, I'm sure it's like anything that's going to have things that it's very bad at as well. Um, oh, of course. But it's it'll be about the play experience, wouldn't it? Um, if you're coming up against it, it can be. Uh, um, I mean, I haven't crunched any numbers, so I'm not. I'm not quite sure. Depends what points level you're at. I'm not quite sure how many ranges you're going to be seeing or coming up against and against some of the standard tournament points levels because Merkwood ranges aren't cheap at 14 points each. Um, but. So that's going to help a little bit, I imagine. Um, it's not quite the same as when you've got your uh, your certain other ranger list, which might have been helped out a little bit. But uh, um, yeah, I it it will be one of those that'll be one for the the tournament players to, to discuss um, and the meta to be discussed with it. Um, I, I'm completely removed. I've not played a tournament game yep. for nearly two years now. Um, so, so I'm I'm not in the best place to discuss those kind of things, other than you know, as we are there, just going over what's in them. Um, but I, thematically, it looks good fun, and you're not going to need an awful lot of models. So, um, so yeah, and enjoy really doing pretty. it. Um, will. It's, it's a really nice theme to it, isn't it? It's it's a simple army to work on. I imagine in terms of there's you know there's not an awful lot of complicated different types of um, models to build and things it'll just be a really conversion really, potential as well yeah, oh god yeah absolutely so the, i think um, it'll be cool. wood elf sentinels out of mirkwood stuff yep really fancy having to go at that and encourages mr matt to finish his uh, gloomy forest bases yes chop, chop, yes he does chop, chop. <laughs> he certainly does um, i thought he was he was i thought they were going to be soon and he released those um nice base sets and he those like rocks and bits and things to put on basing so um he's teasing people right then so the next one is one that um i'm gonna do but i'm not gonna do if that makes sense i've bought the models because i I wanted it as a painting project and to use for the narrative games, but essentially um, by buying the vanquishes of the Necromancer and already owning Radagast kind of thing, that uh, it's it's going to provide me with this legendary legion, or at least the models to make this legendary legion. And it's going to be for a bingo square, um, or a couple of bingo squares more than anything else. 
this is going to be far too much of a finesse army for me to play. I could be absolutely awful with this. I'll get trounced off the table and everyone go, well, how have you lost with that? It's such a powerful army. I, don't know. I think I don't it's know very, much a, very much a finesse army, although <laughs> yeah. Ed was absolutely obliterating people with it. Well, that doesn't surprise me whatsoever um, from what, what I know of him as a reputation, as a player. Um, so it doesn't surprise me. And there, and there lies the answer of why I shouldn't be ever using this in a match play setting um i am buying for narrative play because um that's not not I, I need to push two war bands of dwarves slowly up the table and then still forget to use the throne axes on the way in um whereas this is going to be i just forget everything <laughs> what? um but anyway let's go through it a little bit so um the army composition you can have saruman the white and galadriel lady of light gandalf the gray elrond master of rivendell with heavy armor um and then Radagast the Brown, and he can take the sleigh. And that is your only option. So you've, um, if you max it out, it's 845 points. So you're probably not going to have many events that are 845. Mean, you might have an 850 event. I, mean, I don't know if there's many of those out there at the moment. But there are 800 points, all of them, without it. Um, I haven't looked at what you could do at 600 and stuff. I haven't bothered to work it out. But um, again, because I'm not planning on taking it to any match play events. Um, so you must always include... Um, Galadriel, Lady of the Light, and Saruman the White. So there's there's your that, that that's three hundred points there off the bat, um, and then your uh, additional other additional rule is that it's always deployed as a single warband as well with Saruman as the captain. So um, I think that's probably what you want to do anyway. So some scenarios you might find quite tricky, and then we'll go through the special rules briefly. I'm not going to read every single word here, but there's some nice little buffs. So, are you in need of assistance? So friendly models gain a bonus of plus one to resist tests if they're within six inches of another friendly model. So you are going to be using these the way you see in the film, working together, um, looking out for each other kind of thing. Masters of magic, friendly models may still attempt to cast magical powers even if they are already engaged in combat. That's quite good because um, you could really shut down this force quite quite quickly by swarming them, couldn't you? Um, Medal not in the affairs of wizards. The attacks characteristic of wizard models in this legendary legion is always equal to their remaining wounds. That's really cool. Yeah, um, really, like really cool. It just shows them kind of really fighting for their lives. And I, I like that a lot. Um, Lady of the Golden Wood, Galadriel may target any model with the banishment magical power as if it were a spirit. Model non-spirit models targeted by Gladiol's banishment gain a single free point of will to immediately resist this magical power. Additionally, friendly models within three inches of Gladiol gain resistant to magic. Um, so again, nice little overlaying kind of little buffs, which seems to be the theme of this. Um, and I suppose by you needed to do that to make banishment useful against um, more things if you're using this as a as a, as a match play army. Um, the Grey Wanderer Gandalf, Gandalf gains the fearless special rule. Uh, furthermore, all friendly models in three inches of Gandalf cannot have their courage value reduced by the enemy magic powers, uh, magic powers or special rules. So again, another overlying little buff, all these little synergies and things. Um, Lord of Lim- Imraldris. Elrond may declare a heroic strike for every fight phase without expending might. Additionally, other friendly models within three inches of Elrond counters being in range of a banner. So <laughs> more of these buffs continue. I just I love it, I love, but, but right now I would just forget stuff all the time and um, forget the things that I need to keep them alive and make it all work. Um, three more to go. I said I wasn't going to read them all out, but 
I've ended up doing that, so let's carry on. Wisers of these starry, so a man can attempt to cast two magical powers each turn rather than one, but may not attempt to cast the same magical power twice or target the same model twice. Additionally, when other friendly models within three inches of Saruman attempt to cast a magical power, they may re-roll a single d6 as part of the casting attempt. Again, so we're following that theme of give them a buff and then also give them a buff to other people near them. Um, and then Protector of the Greenwood. Once each turn, at any point in his move, Radagast may choose a single model in base contact with him. Roll a d6. On a 4 or 5, the chosen model regains a wound lost earlier in the battle. On a 6, the model regains all of his lost wounds. Additionally, friendly models within 3 inches of Radagast may move through difficult terrain without penalty. Um, I really love this. It's just so yeah. fluffy and cool, but it's just too much for my brain. Um Go back to the void from whence you came. This is the last one, people. Hang in there. Once per game, if Galadriel has at least one will point remaining, Galadriel may choose to exert her full power instead of casting a magical power. She does so. She immediately casts the channel version of Banishment magical power, which cannot be resisted. Models may use fate to prevent the wounds individually as normal. However, immediately after casting Banishment magical power in this way, place Galadriel prone and reduce her will to naught. Um, additionally, for the rest of the battle, she does not benefit from her Lady of Lothlorien and War aspect special rules. So that's a kind of a real kind of right. Let's go for the wind. Wind. Let's go for the win. Um, um, at, at a real key point or take out a really key model or something could be really really powerful if you you, you time it right couldn't it um taking out your enemy's um leader or something like that love it i do love it i wish my brain would I, I think if i played it a lot i'd get the hang of it um but i can imagine there'd be an awful lot of pain along the way um but i think we might see a lot of those uh, events I'm, I'm guessing um people trying it out it's nice not to have to paint very many models um love it i just love the theme of it and i mean i'm looking forward to painting them and then i'll probably just sit in the cabinet but all good um, probably if, the same but oh, even so it's just worth painting beautiful models for its own sake yes 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 absolutely absolutely so moving on down what's the next one hits of dol Gulder. so this would be the uh when Azog turns to Gandalf and basically goes, uh, see, we've been busy, and they look over <laughs> the edge, that panning shot, and you see uh, all the uh, orcs held in the, the guts, i.e. the pits of Dog Order. So you uh, obviously have Azog, who can have the White Wog, Keeper of the Dungeons, or, or um, Golb, as some people know him, <laughs> the Gundabad Orc Captain, uh, he can have a shield, Hunter Orc Captain, uh, again, he's a bit more selection than normal, so you can have Felwag, Orc Bio, Two-Handed Pick, Thrain, the Broken, which I think is quite cool that you can add him in here. Uh, Gundabad Orc Warriors with uh, either Banner, Spear, sh- uh, Shield. Hunter Orcs, the usual uh, sort of panoply for those, and Felwags. So it's pretty awesome. You have to include Azog, naturally. Yep. That's literally the only additional rule for that. Uh, they, once per game, before a priority is determined, so long as he's alive or on the battlefield, Azog can declare that he's using this ability. You don't roll for priority. Basically, um, you can get Azog to auto win priority once per game, which right. is pretty cool. Surprise attack, it's called. Um, they exist in upon a magical void, so all friendly models gain the resistance to magic special rule. Yep. And Azog may declare a heroic combat each turn without spending might. Obviously, in this particular legendary legion, he's not going to be getting his master battle, so that sort of does mitigate some of that. Yes, 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 definitely. It's it's pretty cool. It's um, 
people have been having a bit of a chat about this and they re um they reckon this is probably going to be potentially one of the stronger ones right okay i don't know um I, my brain doesn't work that way it's just pretty cool and i love the fact that you can take thrain and he's like he is an evil model done yeah listen well there's a, there's a lot of good profiles there and hunter hawks are, are good so yeah i can see both those um armies are good anyway so azog's legion and azog's hunters are, are good a good list in themselves so i can yeah i can i can see why this especially with the the, the special rules added in there as well and it's something i've got models for as well so it's something i might try out at some point um who knows who knows um i might i might be able to do it without even oh, i need to buy keeper of the dungeons i think that give me a, a reason to go and buy him now so i think i might give but it a go as if you need a reason the model's beautiful no i, I know i should have picked it up at the, at the time when they were last around but um oh well, I, I think it's still available at the moment, isn't it? The, the newer, the newer version or the current version? Yes. Cool. Yes. Oh, yeah. From Forge Audio, yeah, you can pick him up. No problem. I can remember if it's one of the ones that's been rotated out or not at the moment. No, he's Forge World, so I don't think he. I don't think that applies to him. Cool. You can't get the old one, but yeah, uh, yeah, I know that one. one. I knew that one had gone, but uh, cool. Right then, so and that brings us on to the last legendary legion. So this is the rise of the necromancer. Um, and um, this is uh, what you, you have the Necromancer of Dol Guldur, and the Nazgul of Dol Guldur, Keeper of the Dungeons, and the Castellan of Dol Guldur. So, you, again, it's from that final scene, isn't it? And they that we saw from the final narrative scenario, essentially. Um, and again, this would probably be far too, uh, far too. <laughs> finesse for me um so you must include the necromancer of dogodor who is always the army's leader no surprise there um <laughs> the force is always deployed de deployed as a single warband so this is the you know your your face off against your your vanquishers essentially um less special rules everyone will be pleased to hear so they don't have to listen to me read them all out but uh, um the first one is has spirit has lost none of it his spirit has lost none of its potency Sauron has regained much of his magical power prepared to unleash it upon the free peoples of Middle-earth. Whenever the necromancer of Dolgador attempts to cast a magical power by expending one or more will points, he automatically adds an extra free will point to the casting test. So, nice and simple and straightforward. Quite cool. Um, power of the necromancer. The necromancer's mastery of dark sorceries means he can protect himself and his allies from any magical powers directed at them. Friendly models gain the resistance to magic special rule. Additionally, the necromancer can attempt to cast two magical powers each turn rather than one. However, he may not attempt to cast the same magical power twice or the same enemy model twice. We've we've heard that somewhere before, haven't we? That's what Saruman's essentially got in the Vanquishers um, um, Legendary Legion. The last one is the Dark Lord returns. Whilst he may not be able to take physical form, Sauron is still a deadly foe capable of causing great damage to his enemies. The Necromancer of Dol Guldur increases his attacks characteristic to two and part of this legendary legion. So, um, yeah, a little bit more straightforward than uh, all the special rules you get in the Vanquishers, but I think they, um, these models come with their own complexities beforehand anyway. Is that something that interests you? Or, um... Obviously. Yeah, I'll definitely <laughs> have a go at this. It's, it's basically being able to do something I planned on doing anyway with bonuses. Oh, woe is me. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's it's cracking. I mean, it's a thousand points, isn't it? The Necromancer, the Nine, and then the, the Keeper. Yes, yes. Bang so. on a thousand points. There you go. Bosh. Throwing skulls. Happy you, days. You've got it all. So is, is that what you'll potentially take? 
if I were to go uh, next year, then I probably would take it. And now we have the amazing terrain so I can build the board properly. Yes, 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 absolutely. So, yeah, that would be quite cool to see. I won't be taking the the opposite. (laughs) I won't be taking the yin to your yang because... uh, uh, I'd just be too, I'd, I'd, I'd be so embarrassingly awful with it, um, but that's the end of the legendary legions. Um, I I like them all. I don't really know what much more to say about them. To be honest with you, um, I don't feel there really could be any more. You know, again, answers on a postcard, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but based on the what's covered in the book in terms of the narrative scenarios, so for me that's the narrative arc. I think they've covered something really for all of it maybe you could have had a spider one in there or something or other um but uh, i i don't know I, I i'm quite happy with the the ones that are there is there anything you'd like that's to covered see? by the army really that's the, what the i'm thinking bonus. and that's what you've always got to be careful there with with <laughs> legions for legions sake almost exactly and you could you know in without the special apart from the special rules that's where you make it different and you could almost argue that the the azog based one is can almost be done anyway just from the normal army list there are some restrictions that might stop some of that can you, can you take hundred orcs without oh i can't remember it's one way around or the other i think i can't remember if he can um it's been ages since i looked at the army book and, and wrote a list for it but um it's yeah I, I think you essentially something with spiders maybe but other than that you, you you'd be making stuff up you could i mean if you if you did a orcs of dogledore standard orcs of dogledore kind of list again i think people would say well that's just kind of list for list sake really so i don't think it's needed so i'm happy with the the, the ones that are there they seem to match the narrative and and fit those gaps well and 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 slot into what would be a more match play version of the narrative arc that's that's in the book so next up we have the first of two master classes so i quite like when they add in painting and modeling things um they won't be for everyone um but i i think it's quite nice and it reminds me that uh when you're when you're a new player to the to, to the game or you're a younger player, some of these pages are often my favourite when I was a when I was a kid flicking through. Um so the first one we got is a necromancer painting masterclass. You had a flick through, Dan, what do you think of it? I really like it. And actually there's some there's some techniques and ideas in here which are probably useful for anyone. Mm-hmm. I think um broadly, um obviously for beginners there's some fantastic ideas in here. You can make as much use of it as you wish. Uh, there's sort of different bits and pieces in here, which, you know, you could stop at a certain point and say, yep, within my skill level, that's enough for me, or you can push on. But there's some really interesting ideas in here about how to incorporate um, sort of different techniques, incorporate different colours in different ways um, within the miniature, sort of putting more colours, because obviously it's a black and silver model, essentially. And yes. that's the problem with a lot of these models, Sauron in general, Sauron the Necromancer, the Nazgul, they're black and silver. But it encourages you to mix up what you're including in um, colour-wise with the models. It, it teaches you how to do a bit of um, sort of OSL with the, the source glow. It does mention an airbrush, so which is quite interesting. You don't yes. often get well, that. That was the point I had noted. Is I, I can't think of... And someone's going to say, yes, it was in the last book when I told you to do um, um, Weathertop or something, but... Uh, I think it was in the 
I think we pointed out it was in the Rohan book. Oh, okay. Using an airbrush. It's just unusual. So it seems to be a, a trend now, which is good. It's good. I've it's never seen another... anything from main studio about um, using an airbrush ever. So um, no, but I don't think it should be a dirty word. No, I, I don't. Like I don't the, either. Uh, they they did it. What was it the fest they had? Who was it? Who was doing it? Was it was it Borgia? Who was doing yeah, um, yeah. the um. Showed the mask class. He was spraying bits off of the, one of the Titans, wasn't he? And he was showing you how to do it, and I think that's fantastic. Well, they do they do airbrush paint, so it's not something that yeah. kind of pretend doesn't exist. But I'm surprised they haven't done a um, licensed deal with an airbrush maker yet that you could buy one. But um, maybe they feel they just don't need to. Um, but um, yeah, very very cool. But it's nice to see nice to see it being mentioned rather than another alternative technique in there. Um, and it's it's cool. Um, I think you could follow the, uh, and you could get around it as well. You could do some very light dry brushing instead of the airbrushing and glaze over the top if you wanted to as well. Um, but I quite like it. It's I've always liked looking at pictures like that of of painted models and step by step guides. Um, and then the next one is the Ruins of Dolgoldur Painting Masterclass again. So it's just giving you some ideas of how you may um, paint your new um, Dolgoldur Ruins um, kit um, to match the kind of what they've done for in the studio um and it's pretty pretty straightforward isn't it picture by picture telling you stage by stage now this is something that um i think you, you don't need to be an expert you don't need an airbrush to um to follow this and have a good no. effect. it's all dry brushing really but they talk about wet brushing which they don't really talk about previously True. using different um washes and glazes in order to achieve variation in the stone effects yep I think it's all I, very I easy it. to follow, though. I think you could be a, a fairly new painter and um, and and almost replicate the effects by uh, looking at oh, pictures yeah, yeah. and doing. It. I, I, that's what I like about it. I'd say it was a um, beginner to intermediate, whereas the other ones probably intermediate to advanced because of the airbrushing um, parts of it. Um, but yeah, very very cool. Um, and then you've got a sort of a nice double page spread picture of the dog or the terrain. Um, and then you have two pages, the forces of good and forces of evil, and these are the kind of pages we've had in these books right back from the, the, the first edition when you've got to just the uh, the shots of the models. Um, and very, very nice they are as well. And again, it's yeah, not something... Lovely. I've seen a couple of comments about people saying, well, you know, they're, they're kind of filler pages. I, I like that. I don't want all text. I think it, the book needs to appeal to a wide age group. So whether you're a... 12, 13-year-old picking, picking this book up for the first time or you experienced Middle Earth Gamer. Um, as a, yeah, as a younger person, I used to... Exactly. I used to, used to flick to the back and go, I want that. Not just, I want to paint that model. A lot of the time it's, I want that model. I haven't got that model. Oh, I'd love that model. Um, so I think it's a little bit there and it's easy to forget when you've been hobbying for a long time and you've got lots of those models that for some people, looking at those kind of pages as a real... Um, exciting thing and um, you know you sort of like you said aspirational daydreaming thinking oh I wish I want to get that one day I'm going to save up for this or that um, and some of the exciting we all hark back to our nostalgia don't we with, with gaming quite often that is when we were younger um, and it's those kind of pages that, uh, that that do it to a certain extent to an extent I think I think uh, also there is a, an element which people seem to forget on this one that um some of these models have been out of circulation a long time. There are people who have joined the game who've never seen them. Yes, Never true. seen decent photos of them. So actually having those presented... I mean, how often do you see Ford World models put in a mainline publication? <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's, so it, it, it's, it's, it's a really lovely thing. 
So I, I think people sometimes forget that not everyone playing the game has been around for 10 to 15 years and become has become jaded with the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's true. Well, I I I like it anyway. I like quite like I the it. I like the content that was in there. I can't got no issues with that at all. So we get to this. That's the end of the book. So we get to the, the conclusions and things. Um, so um, I'll, I'll go first. Thoughts, I'll go first. Um, I really like it. It's it met my expectations in in terms of what I guessed would be in it. Um, I I'd always assumed that it was going to be one of the kind of smaller books like the scouring book was we seem to have like the, the bigger ones with lots of profiles and uh, heavier narrative in there um quest was quite a big one um in terms of its narrative content and things um but i always guessed this was going to be a smaller one because you know if you know the stories in the films unless they were crowbarring stuff in there <laughs> to fill the book out and then when it really would be filler i didn't think it would be the longest book so it doesn't surprise me it's um it's the, the length it is um there's been some chatter about the i suppose the price of it versus the size of it um and we were talking about this a little bit weren't we it's one of the things i i, I you know flicking through gbhl and some of the other groups and things and i've seen a few threads and, and to be fair people have been genuinely quite respectful about the conversation there's always a controversy isn't there for each each release something that people complain about or a wider group of people complain about and this time it seems to be um the price of the book versus the amount of content so to speak um and i don't know how i feel really i still haven't fully made my mind up on it i don't feel unhappy about buying the book for the price i did and for what i've got so i'm i don't feel cheated as such but I do have a little bit of sympathy for the people who was, are asking the question, why is it the same as my um, Gondor at War book when it's um, half the size, etc.? Um, and why is it uh, why is it more expensive than Scouring the Shire when there's less pages in it than that one? When I think that's twenty two, isn't it? And this is thirty. So, um, so it's not that I feel. I don't feel like I've ripped off. It's not something that immediately came to mind, actually. It was not something I thought, well, I'm going to go and that's outrageous. Why is it this much money? I just happily added to my cart and, and, and bought it um, <laughs> along with the dice and things. But um, when I saw people asking the question about it, and when I saw the thread, anyway, I don't know when you when other people saw the thread. When I saw the thread, it was quite new. It's only a few hours old and there were about 20 replies and things. And it was generally a kind of quite a well-behaved discussion around it. Um, and I did have a little bit of sympathy. I, I didn't, it's one of those, I can quite often answer it. If someone says, well, why is this that? And how, why does it cost this much? I could quite often give an answer, you know, the, to why I think it is, which is often the things we're told or the rumours we hear about why things are and defend GW. And I couldn't give immediate answer for, I didn't have an easy, well, of course it's that much because of this. It was kind of like, oh yeah, it is. It is the same price as the bigger books and a bit more than scouring. That's that's interesting. And that's as far as I got re- with it, really. Um, I wonder if uh, the global printing and shipping costs and, and which have gone up for every industry in the world has got something to do with it. Um, you could argue, then, I suppose, that the other books will should have gone up or maybe they will do in the future when new print runs are done. Maybe that's a, something, unfortunately, we've got to, to look forward to. I don't know that. I don't know that at all, I'm guessing. But maybe that's why it was a little bit more than the than the scouring book of, of, you know, similar size. That's his comparison. So I'm not I'm not banging the price. I don't 
but I've got a little bit of sympathy with people asking the question is why is it this much so that other than that though absolutely love the book nothing wrong with the content happy with the length of it it's not it's not it's not nothing to do I'd rather I'd rather it's not that I wanted to squeeze extra stuff in there and, and filler because of the price I'm happy with the book as it is but I've got as I said, I've got a little bit of sympathy with people asking the question at least um Dan what about you yeah um well straight off about I I love it I think it's the one I've been looking forward to um, in terms of sort of, you know, theme and models. I was always really hoping it would come back. I do remember dim and distant times when the original one came out um, and I always loved the aesthetic. I love that particular sequence from the movies. I genuinely think it's possibly one of the greatest sequences or chains of sequences in the entire sort of six movies. I love it. it as I said, that's my favourite line of the movies. Every single part of it I love. Um, it's got some of the most beautiful models they've ever done released alongside it, even if they are a colossal pain in the bum to put together. Um, <laughs> it's something I've always been excited about. It, everything about the book is as if they wrote it for me. I adore it. If that makes me a bit of a fanboy or a shill, so be it. I'll own that. I'll wear it. I'll, I'll get a T-shirt made. I don't care. <laughs> I don't have any objection whatsoever to 30 quid. Things cost money. Mm. End of. Yes, it's, it's, it's smaller than some other books, but it's about its inherent value to you. I appreciate it's worth more to me. The value to me is going to be higher. So 30 quid isn't even, you know, if I, if I had to think about whether I could afford it, I probably couldn't afford it. Yeah. So 30 quid is 30 quid. And people have to be a bit more realistic. The price of paper has gone through the roof. There's a good chance there may be price increases to come data down the line. Maybe we should be grateful that the rest of them haven't gone, gone up. Yeah, and well, we're, guessing, we're, we're guessing there, aren't one. we, a little bit, I think. But yeah, I, I understand your point. And that was, I, one, I that was the thing that came think to mind. You, you need to be realistic. There's no way that they're going to be able to continue to cost in at the same price they used to with the raw materials costing way more than they used to. And the Not to mention costs, the price is, of shipping being this was printed three in times China, what it was. It? So this was a China print print run, as, yeah. uh, as usual. And I know that people yeah. in different parts of the world will say, well, you know, we don't live in the UK, so uh, I don't know how the distribution works, but it's printed in the same uh, place as A shipping normal. container costs... And an, an order of magnitude more than it ever used to. Yes, yeah, and that's um, that maybe where this has come from. And again, this is not—we don't know. No one, no, no, no one that works there has told us this. We, we're just trying to, you know, no, put, but trying I, to, I think trying uh, to put our heads together and work out why that might be. And, and yeah, and unless you are a, possibly a little bit blinkered, there's no way the global situation of the last eighteen months can have escaped you. <laughs> Um, I mean, the fact that if you live in the UK, the cost of everything on the shelves is going up should tell you something. Um, you know, I've noticed it. It cost me a lot more to fill my car up. Everything costs more. It is what it is. Um, so getting away from the boring economics of the thing, it's a brilliant book. I don't get how much it costs. I love all the models that came out with it. I think it's wonderful. Some people have expressed a lot of disappointment that there's um, two must classes in there as filler. I think that's colossally arrogant. And I'm going to put it out there because I think, again, there's same people who've obviously played the game for years who are not thinking about people who are joining the hobby or who are otherwise not quite so confident, who haven't had the opportunity because it's been quite a, I wouldn't say dead game, but a subdued game for so long to ask those questions of the relevant people. So it's been put out there for you. So I, I think every single article or section or segment of the book has its place. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it's, there's something for everyone in there. And you know what? If you don't like it, oh well. But there's, there's a ways and a means of saying it. 
I like That's him. I like I like the variety in the book. As I said, as I said, I like I do like those different sections in there. And as a book, yeah. as it's, I agree. As a book as in itself, I've got absolutely no problem with its length. It does everything it needs to. And for you know to echo what I said and what you said, really, there's there's probably reasons for that price increase. It, it maybe it does look a bit odd compared to what's currently there. And hopefully those things don't go up soon if that's what's going to happen. So you're right. People are right to question it. That's that's only fair to do, and we're reviewing it as well, and that's why I brought it up. I thought it was yeah. you know, it's right to There's do it ways in a respectful means, way. Um, and um, and I like I recognise the people who have said, well, "Why is it like that?" They've they've got their. I think they're absolutely right to ask the question. Whether you'll get the answer, official answer, who knows? Um, and I hope that people who do feel it's too much um, will find other ways to. You know, maybe they'll be able to get it from a, a third party retailer or something when it's when it's got its 20 percent off or something and that reduces the cost enough for them to you know to to, to reckon you know to reconcile with the cost etc etc um but the book itself cost aside um i absolutely adore i think it's great i'm really happy for it to be added to my collection and it does all the things i expected it to do Yes. Um, and you make yeah you make your own choice on the, on the price and, and and no one's right or wrong on that one if you think it's too much you're absolutely entitled to your opinion on that and if you think it's right then and the same thing so either way um so it's, it's kind of worth a, precisely what you're willing to pay for it yeah yeah i mean there's 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 there's, there's a there's a scale for everything like that um but um i think i don't think we're so wildly out of scale at the moment where you need to start questioning whether that that, uh, that it's too you know too expensive to continue in the hobby kind of course. If they were suddenly all put to a hundred pound a book, then even I may have even I wouldn't have bought it. Probably you might still have done, but I, I might not have bought it then. But um, we're not talking that. We're talking uh, we're talking a, a slight um, change in comparison with another book of the similar size. Um, anyway, um, I think that's us done. Unless you've got any more points on the on the book itself. No, I just wanted to, you know, um, I think the the unspoken thing here would be to say, you know, cheers to the guys for continuing putting the content out. It's mm-hmm. quite nice. Um, and a lot coming out of heresy at the minute. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know, it's quite nice. It's quite <laughs> nice to get stuff and it's all great quality. And obviously saw the guys at the weekend and they're all really happy with it as well. So it's, yeah, they yes, should be it's a nice thing. And, and thank you, Jay, for putting yourself through all, all those spiders too. <laughs> To bring us yes. this book <laughs> exactly you'd have had to touch those at some point maybe, maybe it was say, extra 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 special thanks to the ring race because he wasn't going anywhere near play test in those scenarios or at least if he was they were empty bases or something so yeah thanks jay for uh putting up with your agoraphobia to to bring us those uh scenarios and, and again well done um damien and tom for getting your scenario in the book that's really cool that's kind of yeah. that's up there with bucket list stuff isn't it so i know those guys will be chuffed even if they don't say too much about it um well done guys and uh to rob as well because uh you know um as much as i find the models absolutely repellent the paint job that he put on his army that he had at the weekend was absolutely stunning oh, they're I'm beautiful still, so i don't I still I, I, I sense his uh his, 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 you know long furry eight, eight-legged <laughs> intentions on that book really good really good <laughs> he probably was probably doing all of the all of the lifting on the play testing with those so yeah. it'd be interesting to manipulating know, from the shadows um. like a true necromancer <laughs> right right then well let's um let's take a very quick break and we'll come back and close the show down with added don't leave us now don't leave us now if you normally miss the close out remember you've got to come to come back to the close to find out about how to win a uh, plastic witch king
And here we are for the close down. So what I'm going to do before we say goodbye and thank you and all that stuff, I'm going to hand straight over to Dan so he can take us through the Witch King giveaway. In my grubby pants, hopefully you can hear that. That is a unopened box of the Witch King. Uh, so in order to win this gentleman, I have a single question for you. May perhaps have mentioned uh, the answer to this earlier in the, uh, the episode. What is the name of the place upon which Dog Order is built? So mm. what is the name of the place upon which Dog Order is built? So you've got definitely till the... mentioned it earlier. Definitely did. Definitely. Mm. Indeed. So answers to our email address, which is ootfppodcast at gmail.com. The closing of this is Sunday the 28th of November. So unfortunately, if you are listening to this post at that point, you have missed your chance. But uh, you can always message us and tell us what it was anyway. Well, never mind. So if you want to put in your um, answer, then we will randomly draw one of the people who has given us the correct answer. And that will be announced via our social media channels sometime following that. So preferably cool. within the first week of December so we can get your model out to you by Christmas. And you only want answers via the um, the Gmail you don't fancy? The... Yes, <laughs> via the Gmail, because everyone's got email. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's, it means they'll all be in one place so we don't miss anyone. That's why we're not asking exactly. for them via DM well, on Twitter and um, DM on Instagram and um, DM on There are people who don't have any Facebook. of them. So. Exactly. So email, yeah, send, send it in by email. And, we'll, and I'll say we will. I'll, I'll let Dan deal with that. Um, I will collate it all and I will put it together and I will draw it and then we will announce it in within the first week of December who has one and then we'll get in touch with that individual via the email they sent us and arrange getting their Witch King to them. Fantastic. And if you live overseas, Christmas shipping, the way things are at the moment, you you may even have it ready for Christmas 2028 or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? But no, no cool prize. Um, please do get involved and uh, share this show. Make sure uh, make sure that the word gets out there so you have even less chance of winning it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just thinking. I was just thinking. I was just saying it. No one's gonna. No one's gonna want to do that because it takes away their chances. So, Dan, have you got anyone you'd like to uh, give any shout outs to before we go? Uh, aside from the usual uh, suspects, um, all of the content providers, you know, Damien and Steve over at uh, Battle Streams and, and Harry Emmoot and the Green Dragon guys, etc. I would also once again like to thank um, Sophie and the guys from the Middle Earth team for making everyone from Battle Streams meet up. So welcome at. Uh, Warhammer World over the weekend. Ashley as well from from the staff. Um, he did a stellar job to make sure everything was ready for us, and we got what we wanted from the shop in terms of new releases. So, once again, thank you so much to everyone, especially Sophie for doing most of the corralling of people, herding of cats. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks very much. Yes, I'm still very very jealous, but it sounds like uh, it was a fantastic event, and uh, maybe I can make the next one. Hopefully, I can make the next one. Um, right then. So, who would I like to say thank you to? So, thanks for all the listeners for sticking with us when the the release schedule's been a little bit more bumpy in the last sort of four months or so. We we've got good plans for the next few months, but uh, Christmas and stuff—you never know what's going to happen these day, this day and age at the moment. But we we have our a few shows planned out, so uh, probably planned into the new year aren't we so hopefully we can bring you start bringing you two a month again but i'm not going to make any 
super promises. Thank you very much for Martin and, and Ken for coming on the show. Um, yes, thanks talk, guys. And talking to us about um, their own channels and their own hobby histories and things. It was very brief, um, but also for, um, you know, hosting CrackCon and for inviting Ken for, for inviting us really for, to come along and, and put a, a, a Middle Earth game on. It's definitely something that most of the people there hadn't seen or come across before, so it was good to good to chat to a few people about it or people that hadn't played it for for, for many many editions, um, and that was good fun and, and it was just nice rolling dice again. So thanks for, for thanks for inviting us along and and also thank you to um, Dom and um, Steve, who are the other two guys from the Plastic Crack Podcast who weren't on the show. The only reason why I didn't get them on is because they you know they don't play middle earth at all um and i don't think they've got any intention to at the moment so they probably felt a bit like fish out of water but um thank you for um you know for being good hosts at the at the event anyway and i will put links to all of their youtube channels in the show notes for this so if you are interested if you do like your historical gaming and things and there's not just that there's middle earth gaming actually on both martin which is seventh son and um ken which is miniature war gaming warriors both their channels do have some middle earth on there so you might want to check them out anyway but um yeah do check out their channels um other than that please do get in touch as per usual so you can head over to our social media so facebook to start with give us a like join our facebook group and interact on there you can follow us on instagram at ootp podcast and on twitter ootfb and um, you can email us directly and dan's already given that a few moments ago so it's ootfp podcast at gmail.com and do check out our little youtube channel and um, we don't put too much stuff up but dan has um, very recently done his unboxing and um review of the new plastic witch king and painted it as well so um which is uh been very very popular on us uh, on instagram we were talking about it it's got a fair few likes on there it's so gone people... mad i've never done anything like it <laughs> well deserved very well deserved so uh, if you haven't seen it do go and check it out um but anyway let's start rambling on thanks very much for for listening guys and we will catch you soon Run!